Hey, check it out, out, out. Hey, check it out. Prince of Darkness coming to town. He's green goo and he lives in a cylinder. Anna and Corey and Josh watched it. Josh got us too. It's got a synth score because Jonathan Carpenter directed it and probably scored it. I didn't check, but that seems You don't even possible. need to check. You really you don't. You really kind of don't. You totally did. You really did. kind of don't. It's Prince of Darkness. I liked it a lot more than I remembered liking it the first time. Hey. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Hey, Check It Out. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, Josh. Welcome. Hey, Anna. Welcome to Hey, Check It Out. Hey, Anna. Welcome to Hey, Check It Out. Hey, Corey. Anna. Oh, hi, I'm Corey. Hi, welcome to Hey, Check It Out. Hey, I'm Josh A. Kagan, and I'm here with Anna Wasserman and Hello. Coriander Dickinson, and yeah. uh, we're on Hey, Check It Out. And this is a podcast where one of us makes the other two of us watch something they ain't never seen before, and then we talk about it possibly at length. And this week, we are talking about John Carpenter's 1987 Prince of Darkness, a movie that I watched for the first time last October when Kayla and I watched as many horror double features as we could. And uh, we paired this one uh, with uh, John Carpenter's Christine, which was kind of poopy. Uh, but this one I absolutely fell in love with. And uh, I'll get into it over the course of the podcast. But this is, believe it or not, after seeing a bunch of his movies, the movie that 100% sold my ass on John Carpenter, which I know is super weird. Uh, Corey made yeah, I mean, this, that's a super weird thought. Base. Yep. I've seen so many of his movies. I've seen Halloween, which I really liked. Starman, which I really like a bunch of them. Uh, the thing, which is amazing. But this one just absolutely reverberated on my exact frequency of, of just weird bullshit. Awesome special effects, uh, lame acting, cool directing and lighting and a completely bonkers smooshed together from a million different genres uh, uh, kind of movie. Uh, I, I just loved it. There is something so just gee whiz, crazy, unbelievable, but true story to it. Not a true story, but uh, it has that same sort of like, it has that same sort of vibe like, this really happened, and this is the story of the people who survived it. Nobody says this in the movie, but it feels like that. Anyways, I'll get into it more. My long story short, I'm weird. This movie's weird. I loved this movie. Uh, but before we dive in, I'm just going to try and quickly tee up Prince of Darkness with a lightning quick John Carpenter history lesson. So, who's this guy? He, of course, directed and co wrote Halloween, which kickstarted the slasher movie craze and then followed it up with two profitable, pretty well received films. The Fog, which is great, and Escape from New York, which is also great. That was followed by four pretty disappointing box office flops. The Thing, Christine, Starman, and Big Trouble in Little China, the first, third, and fourth of which are now widely regarded as genre cult masterpieces, and the second of which is regarded as kind of poopy. So, by the time he got to 1987, it had been four years since he had made a straight-up horror flick. So he did, and that movie is Prince of Darkness, which was inspired by Dario Argento's Batship Bananas Suspiria sequel, Inferno, as well as the works of British sci-fi horror author Nigel Neal. A brief word on Nigel Neal. His uh, most famous character, Dr. Quatermass, featured in a series of movies that gave God-level British horror studio Hammer their first genre hits, gave Carpenter his non 
Tom DePlune for Prince of Darkness. He goes by mm. Martin Quatermass uh, for his screenwriting credit. And also, fun fact, Neil wrote the very first draft of Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, which also utilized mm. a mashup of sci-fi, horror, and the spiritual. Anyway. Darkness is a heady mix of the thing style. We're all stuck in an enclosed space and something's turning us into monsters type scares. And Argento and Neil's metaphysical pseudo-scientific, pseudo-religious mumbo-jumbo, creepy, crawly, stabby, squishy slashies. And it is, in fact, a spiritual sequel of sorts to The Thing, as Carpenter has referred to these two movies and the following In the Mouth of Madness as his Apocalypse trilogy. Prince of Darkness is, for me, a quintessential late 80s supernatural sci-fi horror flick. It's like the absolute best version of a direct-to-video low-budget shocker made with thought and care while still being a movie where people possessed by demons spit green goo into each other's mouths and get eaten by bugs. Also, it's got space Jesus. My friends, my friends, first thoughts on Prince of Darkness. Coriander. It was okay. Great. <laughs> Today, Coriander will be played by me. Apparently. Do you oh, want to expound on do that? Do you have the same thoughts, Anna? Do we both? No, because the... I'm the one who's usually like everybody's else is excited, and I'm like, yeah, it was fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> expand. I would. I would rather expand at the end. Great. Anna, opening thoughts. I actually like because I remember watching this back in the day when I was going through, like that genre of movie and i would, had gotten into um carpenter by that point i don't know what movie sold me on carpenter because they all like i couldn't tell you which one i watched first um i remember the being really baffled by big trouble in little china the first time i watched it but subsequent viewings really really uh locked it in for me anyway uh i remember feeling like prince of darkness was was middling and complicated and nonsensical and i had only dim memories of of it and i was pleasantly surprised when i watched it this time to find out it's actually super good and yeah it's like a really weird intense b-movie type experience where all the stuff is getting mashed together um i really like what you what you said about how it's like feels like the ultimate direct-to-video movie because it really there's a sense in it of it where it feels like like it imagine if a full moon production was genuinely good yes exactly not even good for a full moon production but actually good then you get this basically because it's got kind of the same vibes. One of the nights of double features that we did in October was a uh, an evening I called the David Deco two for one, uh, mm. where we watched uh, his Creepazoids and uh, Sorority Babes at the Slimeball Bowlerama, which are both weird. I mean, and this is like a classic kind of B movie thing, which is like, we got one location, we got one warehouse, mm -hmm. we got one bowling alley, we got one church or whatever, and we're never going to leave it. And there's something running around poaching all of us. It's, it, I mean, we can also theorize that this is like a post aliens type thing, but you know, I feel like this enclosed getting knocked off by monsters and get it like the thing is like that too, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. Uh, but but after watching two Dakota movies that were like that and then watching this, this is like, yeah, this is like the God tier version of a, of a sort of movie which is not supposed 
supposed to be very good. It's just supposed to be cheap. And this was hella cheap. This was a, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like 10 Dakota movies, but it's a $3 million budget, <laughs> uh, which is high for certainly higher on the, uh, higher on the uh, continuum of low budget movies. But at the same time, like low for Carpenter, who had been given pretty sizable budgets for his previous didn't do very well movies. Like I think all of the, I think Big Trouble in Little China was like something like 15 million. Mm. Um, and that made like nothing. Uh, mm. all, of, Carp- all of Carpenter's movies seem to initially not do super well. And then sort of on the back nine, people are like, ah, oh, no, you know what? That's <laughs> That was pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what. Uh, and like you mentioned, Big Trouble in Little China. Like I've seen Big Trouble in Little China a couple of times. And I know this is sacrilege. It's never landed on me. A oh. lot of his a lot of his stuff has never landed on me. It's never sort of like really touched me in my heart or my brain or my garbage area like it's just the thing the thing is amazing but i knew the thing was going to be amazing going in if that makes sense halloween's amazing but i knew halloween was going to be amazing going in um prince of darkness i had i had i think the party line i knew on it was what anna said which is like oh it's middling carpenter when his when his skills were beginning to leave him so i was like and we had just watched Christine before that. So I was like, man, that sucked. And I, this, you know, we'll just bop through this too. And it's just filled with such fucking spunk and spirit. And it's just so much goddamn fun in like a real, just like carnival spook house kind of way. I, I don't know. I am also a sucker for when you put a team of experts together, put them in a location and then annihilate them. And they're mm-hmm. all just like, but beeping and booping machines tell us that this is impossible. And then blah, they got they get zizzed with liquid. And it's right. great. I can talk at least to like my previous John Carpenter experience. Please do. That's definitely something. Like, uh, I found Big Trouble in Little China funny. I saw it as an adult. The Thing is definitely one of the movies that got me kind of on board with horror as a genre because Mm -hmm. it's definitely, it's super impressive. (laughs) It's astonishing. Right. At least like even just the model work or the, the real sense of paranoia that the characters go through and i felt like they live was more of like an intellectual thing even Mm. though it's there's brawling in a dumpster and underground pathways where the aliens live whoa spoilers what (laughs) that's where aliens always live oh that's fair the thing about they live is that like nowadays you'd put on the sunglasses and just see the same ads Heyo, capitalism. The, the, the internet's already discovered that idea. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not surprised. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, Halloween's also kind of an okay thing. I, I was mm. expecting to like it more based on the hype, let's say. But uh, I think overall, consistently, I love John Carpenter's music and signature. Synth yes. noises. Oh my yes. god! Like it's, yes. it's so nice and like just comforting to find in this movie. 
It is. And speaking of nice and comforting, I love his third act as, uh, you know, as the guy who plays just after sunset at rock festivals. Um, as far because for those of you who don't know, Carpenter now just puts out albums with his son and a buddy of his. Uh, and then we'll go to your Coachella's and Bonnaroo's and whatnot. And uh, him and his buddies will just play the soundtracks and famous themes from his movies while they show his movies behind him on a big screen. And it's great. It's great. It keeps him from making movies, which I don't think he wants to do. And none of us really want to watch him anymore uh, because his career, his career pretty much pooped out hard. You don't think history will, uh, will look kindly upon ghosts of Mars. You know, it might, you never know at this point. And the thing is with a guy like Carpenter, like, I suppose when Prince of Darkness came out, people would be like, you think history is going to look well in Prince of Darkness? And now yeah. here we are going like, that's a pretty good movie, truth be told. Like, people didn't like The Thing. People didn't yeah. like The Fog. Yeah. You know, it took People still all... don't like The Fog, but... From Fog's great. My entire lifetime, people have been like, oh, The Thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. having, having a, a The Thing poster in your dorm room is like, even predates me. Because I wasn't a horror kid growing up, I've been learning about all of these mm. movies over the course of like the last five to 10 years. Uh, and I adore The Fog. I don't like it as much as The Thing, but it is like, it's up there because it just has this real, I don't think it takes place in New England, but it has this sort of New Englandy folk tale campfire. T- I mean, it literally starts with a guy telling a story around a campfire and it's just, there's something so cozy, big, oversized, sweatery about it. I just, I just love it. I haven't seen The Fog. It's great. I remember when I was young, my mom telling me about this movie about The Fog and the and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And I, I haven't seen it yet. It's slow. Here's the thing is it's almost like I'm saving it so I can savor it because there's like, there aren't that many John Carpenter movies that I've never seen that are going to act like potentially even be good. Mm. Yeah. Maybe that might be the only one. It's not perfect. It's floppity doppity. It did surprisingly well at the box office because yeah. the, my thought on it had always been like, oh, this was the thing that followed Halloween and people were like, I don't get it. Where are the murders? Um, but then I looked at the box office returns and I was like, no, this did great. Hmm. No, Tom Atkins in it. And he picks up hitchhiker Jamie Lee Curtis and they have they fall in love immediately because he's Tom Atkins and he's the most handsome man in the world. Well, and it's a John Carpenter movie. And it's a John Carpenter seems movie. to happen a lot. Yep. Do you have any further stuff on John Carpenter you want to expound on before we dive in, Anna? I'm, I'm, I mean, like, I'm a fan of John Carpenter. Like, when he's on, he's on. I'm oh, a yeah. big fan of his synth scores. I, I'd i forgotten, like, somehow that I was watching a John Carpenter movie when we put this on and the synths, synths kicked in. And I was, I was like, I was practically, like, standing during, well, I forgot there were going to be synths. Oh my god! Yay! And there are, boy, oh boy, there are a lot of synths in this movie. There it's sure like, are. It's like wall to wall music in a lot of ways. And that's another thing that makes this feel like the Greek god version of a late '80s straight to video mm-hmm. USA up all night movie because all of those movies had terrible synth scores because that's all they could afford. Yeah. So again, it's that idea of like these are all of the tropes of shitty straight to video B movies that are just going to be performed at the absolute highest level. Uh mm-hmm. and it works. It I think it all works very well. I would say I'm a big fan. I do actually I do really like the first Halloween. I the first time I saw it, I was not I and I was fairly 
fairly young and I'd already seen too many other horror movies. And then I, I was like, all right, going to watch Halloween. And I was like, well, this is nothing. But upon rewatching it, um fairly recently i was like this is a really good like not only can i see where a lot of these tropes come from but he like nailed them like the first time and i mean like yes of course he's building on jello and uh and other like other things and it's pro probably saw um black christmas like 15 times but it's a really good taught version of what it is and i appreciate yes. it for that it's like it's nice to see somebody like like it's it's largely ground zero for the slasher genre, although there's uh, there, there are other movies that get swept aside that shouldn't, but it's, it's in the public consciousness. And I think, like, honestly, like, it earned that reputation. It's not like when you watch it and you're like, oh, I don't know why, like, this is this is messy. It's like, it's a good movie. Oh, it's, it is absolutely tremendous. And I think had I not spent my entire life reading and yeah. hearing about and watching documentary like it's the kind of thing and it's a little different from that like well i've seen so many movies that i that that nothing mm -hmm. can hurt me anymore and it's more just like along with the story of you know the birth of jesus christ and how spider-man got his powers like yeah. people talk about halloween constantly and how you know oh did you know that they had to pick up the leaves and throw the scatter them again on another yard just to make it look like it was fall and they could only afford one bag of leaves yeah. and like you know this guy stood here and wore the mask but then in this one scene deborah hill wore the mask. like we we know every i know every single detail going in and so it was just like Although it's interesting because I watched Halloween and I was like, yep, those are all the beats that I've heard about. Uh, and it's still and this is not to discredit it or any of his movies. John Carpenter is a superlative filmmaker. He's fucking excellent. And then it's just stuff that I that I find drift compatible and stuff that I don't. <laughs> Halloween is so fucking good. And the way that we know it's so fucking good is that we look at the rest of the Halloween franchise and yeah. we go. They've never been able to replicate this or even get close even once. David Gordon Green couldn't do mm -hmm. it. Rob Zombie couldn't do it. Carpenter himself couldn't do it with Halloween mm -hmm. 2. Um, well, he didn't also, also he didn't really want to. He didn't want to. Oh, boy. The one thing you learn about Carpenter real quick is that if he doesn't want to make a movie, that oh. movie's going to suck. Like, he's made some movies of his own free will that aren't great, but, like, Christine was work for hire. Oh, yeah. Uh, Memoirs mm. of an Invisible Man was work oh, for Jesus. hire. Oh, Jesus. You would not You would never know Memoirs of an Invisible Man was Carpenter. No. It's, it's no got, sign of him in that. It's got it's got nothing in it. Whereas a movie like Starman feels mm. astonishingly like a Carpenter I movie. Seen Starman either. Oh God, I love Starman. That is probably this makes me an obnoxious hipster. That's probably my favorite John Carpenter movie. Like mm. I think Starman's just absolutely a beautiful film. Um, but yeah. have you seen it, Corey? Can't remember. No, oh. I don't think so. Mm. Mm. Well, <laughs> well then. Yeah. Anyways, I, I would yes. say that like probably Big Trouble in Little China is actually my favorite just because I like it's one of like one of those things where it's my vibe. It's like I think the central joke is hilarious. <laughs> like because the first time I saw it, I didn't realize what the joke was. And then on subsequent using like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> oh, big masculine yeah, American trucker can't do I, anything. Can't find his way out of a paper bag. <laughs> oh, and then you got James Hong being ridiculous. Yeah, and it's because I like that kind of like Asian influenced bullshit. And I know, listen, I get that it's problematic at this point. I get that. And I'm not, I am not 
gain saying that at all but i do find it a really fun fun time to watch i i watched it with my uh, ex-wife once for halloween and when we were done she was she basically was like like you're welcome for have for for me watching that with you <laughs> like, fair enough i mean yeah. if you like it or you don't um i watched the thing i think fairly like Within a year or two, I think of it actually having come out because I was of age too, and it didn't have all the stuff around it. And I remember it being good, and that's about all I remembered of it. Jen requested to watch it, um, Halloween Before Last, and it it is really good, and it certainly holds up. And it was fun to watch it with her. But yeah, I I've seen the I've seen most of the high points of JC's career, and I uh, I approve. I need to watch Big Trouble in Little China again because it's been a minute. And I also got uh, I got They Live for Christmas, which is a movie I don't think mm. I've seen from beginning to end. I think <laughs> I, I think I've seen yeah, like, seems... I've seen bits and pieces of it on cable and in my and I saw it at an age where the other thing that was getting shown on cable a lot was Hell Comes to Frogtown. So oh, I think sure. it just, so, which is another Rowdy Roddy Piper movie. Uh, so I think those just sort of occupy the same synapse. Right. So I need to. I feel like there's going to be a They Live Big Trouble in Little China double feature in my near future. They Live is an excellent movie to just tune in partway through on cable and watch as much of it as you feel like at the time, and then flip channels again. He made great cable movies. Mm. He came up as a director during sort of the nascent home video era. And who knows how much he was paying attention to stuff like that uh, mm. and straight to video horror and things like that. But like all of his movies are absolutely just like they're perfect late night cable pulls. Like yeah. if you you're you're flipping around, Prince of Darkness is on UA, USA at two o'clock in the morning. You're gonna watch it, and same with They Live, and same with Big Trouble. Like they're just they're the just these. He just made great pulp. He makes movies that have really good scenes that you can like. If you flip in and you see like you're part way through, like if you flip channels and you realize that like the sunglass fight is about to happen and they live, you're not going to change the channel for the next 10 minutes. You're like, yeah, Shit, yeah, I'll watch the sunglass. scene. I don't know if I need to watch the rest of the movie right now, but I will watch Roddy Piper and Keith David throw down for an unreasonably long amount of time. Oh yeah. The, the man knew his way around a set piece. And yeah. uh, this movie, this movie got plenty of them. Should, should we dive in? Yeah, Let's. we should really dive in. Let's I'm dive so in. All right. So we start, Cutting back and forth between uh, kind of two two big things happening. One of which is a uh, a priest is lying on a bed in like a like a, lying on a cot in a shitty little room, and he's holding a little bronze like treasure box on his tummy, and he dies. Yeah. Uh, and a nun comes in and is like, "Hey, that guy's dead. Oh no!" Uh, and we're cutting back and forth uh, between that and a guy uh, whose character's name is Brian. But I just called him Blonde Ted Lasso. He's uh, blonde mustache. We called him, yeah, we called him Porn Stash. Oh, I mean, he looks he looks like a blonde Jason Sudeikis and B like every pornographic actor in the <laughs> late 70s and early 80s. Like he has got and uh, but he is in fact a legit actor by the name of Jameson Parker. He was on TV's Simon and Simon. He played Simon. Oh. Um, oh. Wait, I thought Gerald McCraney played Simon. 
we'll we'll do a follow-up episode where we'll get to the bottom <laughs> okay. of this right. uh it's a little like uh it's a, simon and simon was sort of the tv version of bergman's persona uh but we'll talk about that later anyway <laughs> this has never before been spoken in the history of humanity anyway yes full moon old man falls asleep forever Hornstash is watching some ladies by a fountain and then he hustles yeah. away they're on like a college uh college campus, campus. the usc campus to, to be exact, uh, Carpenter's alma mater. So, um, then the nun yeah. is talking, and she's like, Father Carlton was here for an appointment, and he went to the hospital, and he never woke up. And then we see Donald Pleasance. <laughs> Father Donald. Father Donald Pleasance. He's, he's the priest with yeah. no name. So we're so for this for this purpose of the podcast, he is Father Donald because he is just Acceptable. the priest uh, in the in the soundtrack. Uh, so she's yeah. So like what Corey said, like came to see his eminence and then he just fell asleep and he never woke up and he but he had this and this and so he hands her or she hands him uh, the little treasure box and a diary and uh we see father donald pleasance looking at the diary and reading that it was about uh the brotherhood of sleep uh and something about how the sleeper awakens no 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 that's dune you watched dune oh no <laughs> back at college uh professor victor wong walks up to a building with long wispy hair trailing and a very curmudgeonly look about him then he looks up at the sun and the sun is weird because the moon's really near it and then there's ants on the ground he doesn't see the ants but those are in the foreground as he's staring up at the sun and the moon being very chummy uh we kind <laughs> of we push in on just the biggest pile of ants you ever done seen uh victor wong by the way he is playing uh dr barack in this movie and uh victor wong uh was in a ton of wayne wang's movies uh and of course was also in big trouble in little china mm -hmm. The moon is like it's like a thin crescent, but it's also not it's also not on its side the side of the crescent. It's weirdly like the crescent is, is Above facing the upwards. sun. It's like yeah, weird. so it looks like the sun kind of has little devil horns. Yeah. I'm Whoa. sure that's not intentional. Okay. But it looks wrong, is what it looks. Then uh Father Dr. Donald Pleasance is uh walking through a courtyard by a fountain with a couple cardinals, I think. They've got the sure. black robes and the little red hats and the red sashes. And he's got the little chest, and he opens the little chest, and it's got an enormous key inside of it. <laughs> it really is. And it's like he found it in a video game. And like, we, I can't, feel like that's, we can't and, hear anything. Yeah. It's just synths. It's wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, for the first 10 minutes of the movie, it's synths, very little dialogue, and the opening credits. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a, there's a point where you're like, oh, I think the opening credits are just going to play through the entire movie until it's the end credits. <laughs> so he pulls a key out of the little treasure box along with plus 25 health. And now we are <laughs> in Dr. Barack's class. This is my ASMR, guys. <laughs> this is like the most soothing, delicious crazy metaphysical John Carpenter was mad high at two o'clock in the morning typing one-handed just like what is reality to you and what is reality to me we know that time is real and we know that flesh is real but what if everything isn't this what is, we think it is this is please this is like one of those explain like I'm fives about quantum physics like this is like baby's first intro class and yet they're all 
postgraduate students. There's a lot of this in the movie. Anna, go ahead. Why is he only typing with one hand? John Carpenter in this yes. illusion in this illusionary story. Yes. Uh, let's just say that he that Mr. Carpenter is very excited about the brilliance that he's dropping on the page. I was afraid that was the case. <laughs> There's certain things that we believe are constants that we can experience with our bodies and like eyes and feeling stuffs. And at the subatomic level, everything's backwards and upside down and swirly whirly. We don't yeah. know anything. Ghosts and shadows. There's a lot of very basic concepts. There's one coming up when we uh, introduce the character of asshole Walter in a few minutes, where it's just like he's having something explained to him. And it's like, you should know what this is, my friend. You're a PhD student in quantum. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get there in a second. We throw back to uh, Father Donald. Uh, he walks up to the old abandoned church and we have the first of many, the exorcist where a person oh, yeah. where it's just a sideways shot where a person just stands in front of the big menacing deconsecrated church and it's just like uh but terrifying things are going to happen in there and the soundtrack goes Bwong. and he goes into the church with his little little chest and then he pulls the key yep. out and puts it in a big door and then goes through the door and then we throw back to blonde 10 lasso and he's just kind of pervin on that redheaded lady uh, uh, a little more. He's just fo- kind of following her around campus. Just a little like bit. Him. Like, she goes into a building, so he waits outside by yeah, a tree it's... for her. And then he's like, oh, I'm here for library. It's not a good look. No, and it shouldn't work, but because it's 1987, <laughs> it works. Yeah. And this guy is our nominal hero. It's None of his behavior no. is regarded as bad. No. Because we have a character who has bad behavior coming up. So, right. the, so we can go, ah, uh, that guy's the asshole. Right. Well, the redhead leaves the building with uh, a handsome man with a mullet. There's a lot of mullets in, in this movie. Tragic hair. Yeah, not, not limited to the male characters either. No. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, redhead, handsome man. Ugh. And then uh, Donald Pleasance is typing a letter. About a phenomenon. With both hands, I hope. Yeah. Dear Dr. Byrick, you want to get here real soon. Thank you. XOXO, Father Don. <laughs> now it's the next day in class. And, although it, and we can tell it's the next day because everybody's wearing different clothes. But it seems like Dr. Barack is just having the same kind of lecture. Like he never stopped talking. Time flies like an arrow, but fruit flies like a banana. Yes. No, it's... It's fine. You know why he can do this? He's got tenure. He can he can pontificate all he wants. But the thrust of it is, is that science exists to try and put order to the universe. But the big punchline is there is an order to the universe. But when we find out what it is, we're really not going to like it. Also, Jim's buddies were like, Good things happen to good people. And if bad things happen to you, obviously you're evil. And we're just inserting that inside of a quantum physics lecture because it's somehow relevant. Because Carpenter was high is my only guess. <laughs> There's a lot of stoned writing in this. I think Professor Burak um, uh, may also be high. There's nothing saying he's not. He, it's true. He has some LSD energy. He sure he yeah he has some he has some tenured professor LSD energy and the other the th- the thing about a lot of his students is that although they may be, although they're you know supposed to be extremely bright and PhD candidates a lot of them appear to be in their mid thirties. <laughs> 
I mean, they're older. Corn stash sure does, but it might be the stash. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're getting your PhD, you're probably in your mid twenties to twenties. I guess it depends. No, they yeah. look like continuing students. Like ha! they do look like continuing ha! students. It's community. This is actually the prequel to community. <laughs> <laughs> they're all like, we should have gone to air conditioner repair. That would be actually great. Yeah. I would watch the cast of Community uh, so, do this. Anyway. Blondhead Lasso peeps on the redhead for the entire class, ignoring the lecture. Ugh. Class gets out, and a nun arrives. And all the students are like, whoa, a nun? What's her deal? Maybe it'll be like the BBC when they had those debates. You know, that's right. probably why she's here. Uh, and I would pay... So, because they're making references to uh, Dr. Byrak and what I assume to be Father Donald yeah. doing, like physics versus Jesus debates, and I would pay every cent I have to see Donald Pleasance and Victor Wong enact one of these debates. I Fair think enough. that would be that entertainment. Um, anyways, uh, and this is where we meet asshole Walter for the first time. Ugh. He's a difficult, difficult character. Uh, and we'll get to know him a little more as the movie goes on. But now, uh, and now Father Donald and Byrak, uh, they meet up and Father Donald gives Byrak uh, the diary and is like, please help. Things are real big, bad. And I need, I need Dr. Science right now. Hmm. Meanwhile, uh, Blonde Ted Lasso is home, just playing solitaire like a real cool guy. Uh-huh. We'll slide a hand. It's watching space stuff on the TV with the volume off. And then it's like, ooh, a supernova. Let's look at this. And then we look around the back of the TV and it's covered in ants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's ants. How is he surprised by the revelation about the supernova? There should have been a lot of like people should have published a lot of papers about this by the time the media actually cared. <laughs> he should be keeping up. I, I again, I don't know what this PhD program is. <laughs> well, I think it's pure bullshit. Probably. It's like how some of my friends just watch old recordings of Cosmos, you know? Right. Yes, they He'd do. just be like, oh, this is my favorite part of the VHS I've got running off screen. <laughs> I guess. I only turn the volume up for this one section because I, I find the presenter lady's voice obnoxious. I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I do not. And I and I've said I like this movie and this isn't really a problem, but I do not find the the actor especially credible as like somebody who's very smart about physics. Nobody really comes across as as a rocket scientist no. uh, to use the vernacular. But I and I will kind of I will throw in here that as I was watching Prince of Darkness for the first time. And I was I was very excited to learn later that it was literally inspired or partially inspired by an Argento movie, because as I was watching it, I was like, goopy special effects, absolutely nonsense philosophy and science and a bunch of handsome, vaguely wooden square jaw actors <laughs> who don't seem like the wait a minute. This is an Italian movie. This is a this is a 1980s. This looks like a 1980s. And you know, 1970s, 19. And if you watch Inferno, which I kind of recommend, um, it's kind of the same thing. It's that same sort of pseudoscience, you know, pseudo-religious stuff mm -hmm. being done by just sort of these meat sacks, these square-jawed, vaguely yeah. uh, cinema-friendly-looking meat sacks, who you don't believe at all. But like, it's not. These aren't movies about people. 
you know, these that's are why we don't about... really learn anyone's names. Yes, it's like it's kind of like a less goopy de- uh, demons in some ways. Yeah, yeah, way less goopy, but it's that oh, way same... less goopy. It's re- this is this is way too much of a tangent, and this is not a defense of Malignant, which I still think is a very not good movie. <laughs> yeah, but I, agree. I had not seen any European genre stuff after say like 1979 80 in my deep dive into european and especially italian genre cinema and once i started watching more 80s stuff like demons like uh like inferno which is 1980 like uh nothing underneath like a bunch of different like 80s italian stuff i was like Oh, that's what James Wan meant when he said he was taking from Italian movies. Yeah, he was yeah. taking from all the movies I hadn't watched yet. Um, the problem is, is that his movie was still two and a half hours and it wasn't good until the last half hour. That's a different conversation Debatably. altogether. Debatably good. Debatably. But it's still, it's all of that kind of square jaw Miami Vice looking motherfuckers yeah. uh, who you don't believe for a second the words that are coming out of their mouth. But anyways, um, so the priest and Wong yeah. arrive at St. Godard's, which is the church. Yep. There's big empty hallways <laughs> and it's spookily empty. Father Donald explains that the priest lived here alone for like 50 years. He would only leave once a week for groceries. And every day he opened this door. <laughs> big wrought iron door. Uh, and they go, they go down and basement and he gives a father donald gives a little more like oh these sort of basement catacombs this was all built in the 1500s there's one million lit candles and 50 billion crucifixes nailed to the walls (laughs) yeah it looks like like a madonna video was shot there help my family is starving but this is like the most dressed set in the whole film yes that is true so you know you can see where the money went candles so Josh, I think I have to take issue with your assessment that this uh, this film is uh, has the the Italian influence, because clearly the church is Saint Godard, so it's clearly an homage to the French New Wave. You know, it's funny, Godard. It's not. It's not in any way. Godard was absolutely alive because uh, yep. he literally just died last year when this yeah. movie came out. And I can't even. First of all, I don't know if he watched Prince of Darkness. I'd like to think that no, he did. He watched a lot but, of for, but there were like. For all of the references in this movie, that one feels to me to be the most impenetrable because this You're isn't right. this isn't Godard shit at all, is it? No. <laughs> no. Uh, not yeah, not uh, like Alpha no, Film. I sort mean, of is science fiction. No, no, not at all. Uh, the only maybe the only thing that is even remotely Godardian, if you will, uh, is like the general blasphemy of the storyline oh yeah and even that's like that's a real tenuous connection so i think it's just either either carpenter like godard or it's just a coincidence could be could be a coincidence um yeah uh Anyway, but anyways, yes, it's yeah. If you love the French New Wave, if you love masculine feminine, you will love Darkness. <laughs> if you love the French New Wave, you will love that. Uh, after uh, Corey's choice, we were doing Pierre Lefou. <laughs> nice. Anyways, so they're talking about the uh, or Father Donald is downloading them and like this was all built in the 1500s by the Brotherhood of Sleep, uh, and they did this without the knowledge of the Vatican or anybody. They've just been like. They're just this rogue 
group of priests who have been hanging out here protecting this thing. So what is this thing? We finally see it in all of its glory, and it is... It's like a Nutribullet, a giant Nutribullet of ectoplasm, just like this swirling canister that's sealed with stone and metal and standing straight up. It look, I mean, it looks like the, a giant evil blender. I want like, one. This oh. is the most fucking Charles Ben thing yes. in this movie. This is yes. the hero of the movie. <laughs> Tube of goo. It experiences <laughs> the most growth. It does the most interesting things. Yeah. <laughs> it gets a lot of screen time. It's a better actor than Jameson Parker. Like it's That's certainly more it, more engaging than our lead. It's not as annoying as most of the other characters. This all said, I will quietly <laughs> I will quietly stand up for both Donald Pleasance and Victor Wong. Oh sure. Who are the only people who give actual performances in this oh, yeah. movie. And then everyone else is just mannequins. Yes. Uh I don't know. I think Walter is acting his ass off. It's just that like the results are unpleasant. Yes, <laughs> it's true. Well, we were watching Jen pointed out that both Donald Pleasance and Victor Wong have one eye that sort of stays squinched very very shut. And it's the opposite eye from on on each of them so when they're when they're facing each other they like mirror each other and i doubt if that was intentional but it is cool now it aligns with all the themes anna yeah does it though i mean there is a theme of mirrors there is <laughs> so there's that <laughs> and and there, there's religion and science they are like the there are opposites oh, yet similar dichotomy because, because all yep. roads lead to the same place I'm gonna go right uh i don't know horror horror 350 level uh 1000 word essay on this yes they're all and that they're all inspired by persona this i will now <laughs> today drop the works of jameson parker and their inspiration <laughs> uh by by bergman's persona prince of darkness simon and simon and bergman's persona <laughs> yes. so father donald and dr burrick are staring at the swirly tube Dr. Burke looks uncomfortable for quite a long period of time. And then uh, Father Donald is like, oh, and here's this book. They have scraped off and rewritten the pages like a billion times, but you can still see all the old stuff underneath the new stuff. But anyways, it's also written in like five or six languages. Yep. Coptic, Latin, Greek, and numbers. Uh, so <laughs> it's just like, a, and, and it, you, it's a great prop. It's a it's a lovely prop because you really can see like all the different layers of writing and the erasures. Uh, somebody put real work into making that, and that makes me real happy. Same with the uh, the same with tub of goo. Like this is a very realized movie. There are no there are corners cut in say the acting, uh, you know, but there are no corners cut on a technical level, and it's it's just it's just gorgeous. You want all of these things. You want that tub of goo. You want that book. You want that key. Like, these are all very tangible, gimme, gimme, grabby hands props. It's like a, a Bandai show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. We're going to see all these objects on shelves, you're saying? Uh, <laughs> I want it. I want it, too. Of goo has been a bestseller for the past 35 years. Dr. Burke's like, what is it? And Father Donald's like, a secret that can no longer be kept. And that's because... Everything on the planet has started to change like a month ago. Yeah. And I guess we're supposed to connect the dots between that and the discovery of the supernova. 
but because uh, the supernova is never mentioned ever again, but it's there. So I, my assumption is, is that that's like devil energy or some shit maybe. Well, so, you know, mm. hmm. okay. So when a star goes supernova and the light eventually travels to earth, you see it as a very bright star. Like there's that, yeah. Was Arthur C. Clarke or whoever that that there's a famous science fiction short story about people who find like a, a supernova that like had destroyed multiple planets. And then when they figure out when the light hit Earth, they realize it was the star of Bethlehem. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I think I feel like it's kind of like that. It's like an omen. Got it. Oh, like seeing a comet in the sky, right? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't necessarily it doesn't have to be made of devil energy. It's just like the universe knows shit is happening and it's responding. Yeah, that makes sense. I thought we were just establishing Brian as a normal science student who plays really cards and likes TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and wishes he had a redheaded girlfriend who thus far has never spoken to him once. Not once and has a boyfriend. But boy, oh boy, he'll keep following her in a very romantic way that's not creepy or weird. I don't even know she aware. has a boyfriend. He, she just walked out of the library with a guy who seemed friendly. Well, now she's chatting it up with Walter. Oh, and you can point at the screen and be like, I loved him in Big Trouble in Little China, but that yeah. won't help you. <laughs> I, just, uh, I, I described him as <laughs> I was like, oh, he was in Big Trouble in Little China. He was the guy that Kurt Russell was the sidekick of, yes. but didn't realize it. And he's great in that. And and is, as Anna said, he is he is really terrific in this. He's just playing a complete and total yeah. fuck stain. Uh, but we, ha we don't. <laughs> We don't quite learn that yet because uh, no. the redhead, whose name is Catherine, is explaining to him Schrodinger's cat. And my face did a frowny face when that started because I was like, <laughs> oh, no. And then she actually explained it properly about how mm. it's superposition. And once you observe it, then the waveform collapses. And that's how you don't know if the cat's alive or dead because it's not supposed to make sense because you can't predict it. Right. This is what Josh was talking about, though, where this seems like something he should have thought about like five years back. Undergrads get high and talk yeah. about Schrodinger's cat. Like, this is just like, this is just, and it's also the kind of thing where you can, like, some movies ask physicists to weigh in on the science of their movie and make sure that everything is correct. Yeah. Other people, like, say, John Carpenter, just probably wrote a bunch of shit. And then that was his script. And this is the kind of thing where it's like, either he asked somebody or he would, or it just popped. Like, it's just one of the most obvious physics things. Mm -hmm. Well, Walter's got like a timeline plan. He just wants to become a billionaire. So he had to go to college first and then he'll drop right. out after inventing something that he can found a company on. Like a self-driving car. He's very modern in that respect. He is. Uh, That's true. But he does. He's like, I don't understand any of this. Why do I want my PhD in particle physics? And Catherine's like, so you can get bought out by a giant defense contractor. And he's like, yeah, that's right. And I can become a millionaire before I'm 40. And in my that's head, ethical. I was like, second only to me going into theater, like to theater school, to be like, I'm going to go to theater school and become a millionaire, and like, which I didn't actually think. I knew it was <laughs> I, I've never heard that one. Yeah, but like the idea of like, why are you going into physics? Oh, to get rich. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's, of why, course. Does, why does anybody get into physics, I suppose? 
It was the eighties. Defense contracts were thick on the ground. This is true. This Oof. is true. And then they find out the class is canceled, but a handful of them have been called to the office to do a special weekend thing. A sleepaway. Yeah, a lock-in. I don't think this is how you would announce that. You wouldn't put a note up on the door like, by the way, the people on this list cancel your weekend plans. I'm like, like you'd think that he would do that in person. He's too busy doing science at the church. I think he's too busy doing LSD. Well... All the students don't like it anyways. They're like, I had no. plans for the weekend. Now I got to cancel. I was yeah. eating a whole pizza and watch <laughs> my stories. I was going to watch 22 Blu-rays. That would be me if I were in this. <laughs> anyways, uh, so now uh, Catherine and Blonde Ted Lasso are walking away and kind of like, so what were your weekend plans? I was going to study. What are your weekend? Oh, we're both physics students, aren't we? Yeah. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, I read the professor's book he's super smart and then blood to lasso is like well it's time for me to use one of my absolutely can't fail lines and he says he says something along the lines of like hey you know there's a lot of there's a lot of theories that we ponder as science students but i gotta here's one how is it that nobody as pretty as you has ever been in our department before and she's just like that was some sexist bullshit you weirdo and he was like yeah, because I'm a sexist, baby. Ha ha. Confirmed yeah. sexist and proud of it. Pull <laughs> out of his death spin and, and then And then he sees that that did not work. And then he's just no. like. She tries to leave. And so he puts his hand on her shoulder. And just like, whoa, baby, chill. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. And then, because it's 1987, Catherine apologizes. She's like, yeah, I guess it was just me, just a social miscue. Anna, take it away. So I have kind of a take on this. Hit it. Okay. So like, first of all, I think the whole, there's, you can, and I don't think this was necessarily intended, but you can certainly read it as like, she sits down after he puts his hand on her arm to prevent, like on her shoulder to prevent her from leaving as a, a sort of a safety maneuver, right? As like, a, I don't know what's going to happen if I don't do what this guy wants. So I'm going to play along for now and hope nothing bad happens to me. Um, but also, mostly this scene, like I didn't really get it from her elsewise, but there was there was a bit of the way about how she was very direct and how she responded to him that made it feel like she was a little neuroatypical, like not in a bad way, but in kind of like a good way. Oh, I absolutely, I second that. I thought that as well. And my my tip off was when she actually used the phrase, uh, it was either social miscue or just miscue. Yes. Like she yes. was, re- but, but the thing that doesn't, so I understand that she's found herself in that situation before. So I absolutely second that. Uh, but it's, but in this case, she was right. She was mm-hmm. reading the situation exactly right. This guy's a fucking weird creeper. Yeah. Uh, and so I think she might have double reversoed herself. Yeah. And like, oh, and I was reading a cue wrong. This guy's great. He's on Simon and Simon. What, I, what's my problem? <laughs> but I mean, also the rest of the movie doesn't really bear out the reading of that scene that I have. Like it, it really good. Like, kind of it kind of just throws that that out so i think it, i think it's just a coincidence like it just happens to be how that scene works totally unfortunately i would also theorize that to an extent 
she thinks she thinks blonde Ted Lasso is cute and is like, sure. all right, he fucked up, but he said he's sorry. And if he does this shit again, I'm running away screaming, but let's see if he can act like a regular person for the next two minutes. And then he asks her out to dinner and she's like, sure. I do get, she's like, I'm a little weak in the knees. Let's, let's give, let's give him a shot. We can at least go out to dinner in public. And if anything terrible happens, I will mace him. It is not the beginning of a grand affair. Like you're not, you don't look at this and go like, this is a relationship that's going to stand. The test <laughs> she of time. should not show up to that oh, dinner. Well, like she should don't just tell not. Ted Lasso that. It's yeah. like once, once they've broken away and out of mm -hmm. eye contact, she should just drop that class. And yeah, right. Yeah. She should be like, I'm Dr. Birak. I'm real sorry. I can't attend this weekend thing. Uh, one of the other students has made me extremely uncomfortable. I know there's no point in going to the dean about it or anything, but I, I will be dropping your class. I'm sorry. I don't actually need it. I was just taking it for fun. And if she had done that, well, we'll find well, out later. Yes. Well, things would we'll be find very out different. later. We'll find out later, but no, she was she was hypnotized by his mustache. <laughs> the uh, student crew meets up with their professor in his office, and they actually get like the the carrot instead of the stick in this case, where he's like, mm -hmm. "Hey, this will help your grades, and it'll be great, not, and we're on the forefront of science or something like that." Also, yeah. you'll be sleeping on site. And yep. there's going to be other departments, so don't even worry about it. And it's... I'm not going to tell you what we're doing. It's a lot to report this to the fucking dean. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're doing they're doing like a they're doing like a they're doing a church lock in for the weekend. They're going to watch it's movies so and eat popcorn and tell stories and, and play like sardines. Sister Act and Sister yeah. Act 2. <laughs> Back in the habit. So he's like, you're all coming and I'm not going to tell you why, but it's going to be great. Fabulous cash and prizes. Now, uh, Dr. Barack is walking up to Spooky Church uh, and he we have that. If you like that shot before with Donald Sutherland, we're or, or Donald Pleasance, rather. Uh, we're doing that again. I found it very pleasant. That was great. That was a great joke, Thanks. Anna. Thank you. And he sees an unhoused woman bowing towards the sun like <laughs> yeah. like sort of like oh, i'm not worthy and uh he looks at her and he notices that she has giant ants on her face so i call her ant lady even though the credits credit her as bag lady i think ant lady is better i love ant lady yes she's so into all of the bits that she's in yeah she's this is the there is a uh, there is an unhoused horde uh, and uh, with the exception of one performer amongst <laughs> the unhoused horde, which we will get to, uh, they are all there. It is. Look, there is it problematic to make the foot soldiers of Satan, uh, you know, L.A.'s unhoused population. It's not the best, but they make the best of it. Uh, and they are very, uh, the, the performers themselves are, are very frightening. And it, it does make mm. for a bunch of creepy uh, set pictures. And then there's one of them who kind of throws the whole thing off it's a little, but we'll get true. to that. Also, the, the, the explanation we get later for why it is the unhoused people is not great. It's, it's not terrific. No. It's not the best depiction of an unhoused populace, but for 1987, it's like, this is to be expected. It's, it could be considerably worse. Absolutely. And certainly they are, they got the upper hand a lot. Mm. They're, mm -hmm. they're dictating the terms. They will fuck you up. Uh, anyway, um, 
And now uh, Father Donald is saying some mumbo jumbo to Dr. Barack about how he, this unnamed he, is in everything. In your snow cones, in your hat, everything. He, he's in. And uh, they must translate the book so the world can know. And uh, Dr. Barack is like, counterpoint. Can we just keep whatever this is in the tube and just keep looking at it? Because we've been doing that for 5,000, however many years. So what if we just look at it real good and then go to Chuck E. Cheese? And uh, Father uh, Donald is like, absolutely not. Because this thing's getting, this baby's getting ready to pop. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at college, Catherine sees hot mustache waiting outside. He Not asks her out for a coffee. They sleep together. <laughs> they totally. It is a oh hard. My God. It's the hardest of hard cuts. It <laughs> is. Uh, it's like, hey, uh, so coffee? Yeah, I guess we could do some coffee. We're naked. Exactly. Do 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 do. It's morning. And he wakes up and goes out onto the porch with his shirt wide open, so we can yeah. see his abs and then he looks at the sun and the moon is also there i will i mean i will say that as far as this movie goes in terms of like sexualizing its characters it does do more sexualization of the male characters for for the most part uh one 100 i would say in that this is the i mean all of the women are kind of dressed appropriately and you know not really yeah. sexual beings one way, no. in fact, 99% of the characters aren't. Uh, it's just of mustache bro, uh, mm -hmm. who, and his abs, by the way, are 100% impeccable. Like he really does. <laughs> he does look good with his shirt off. It is his best feature by a long shot. Um, so, so good on him. Uh, you know, that's one we'll check for, for him. I feel like I would be remiss and I wouldn't be providing our, our many thousands of listeners with what they want if i didn't comment that catherine's pretty cute she looks like she looks kind of like a young jody foster thank you yeah they all have terrible hair you know what i like 80s hair kind of eh. the little the little curls the like little i don't know susan sarandon like i like the big puffy hair i like the hmm. yeah i like yeah. i don't know i like 80s hair well, Mustache Man slightly redeems himself in my eyes because I thought he was just going to like leave or something and he brings her coffee in bed. And then, oh no, he's doing the opposite. And then he goes in for more like smooches and cuddles. He's like, hey, I want to tell you something. And she's like, oh, uh, please don't. No, don't do it. <laughs> She's great. She is actually really good. I don't, I, I didn't yeah. write down uh, her name, but the woman who plays Kathy is actually pretty fucking solid in this. Uh, it's Lisa Blount. Yes. Oh, she did not. She was not in a lot of stuff. I looked her up. Anything else that pops to mind? Uh, not especially. She was mm. in a lot of small roles on TV shows, and like you know, she had that. She had that kind of working actress career. I mean, I, I guess she did Murder She Wrote and stuff like that. Mm. Absolutely. I found out Donald Pleasance was in The Thief and the Cobbler, and that blew my mind. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. This the biggest animation boondoggle in history. Oh my god, yeah. Oh, I do know. No, 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 no. Richard yeah. Williams, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, I still have to watch the, like, the, the best fan edit? cut available, yeah. 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 
I just learned about this like maybe six to 12 months ago and it mm. blew my fucking mind. Um, we won't get into it too much, but I think Richard Williams is the guy. He's the guy who did all the animation for Roger Rabbit. And basically mm -hmm. he started a movie and never, ever finished it. And finally, like the studio got it cut up a terrible version of it and dropped it. And so there's no real version, except there's yeah. a fan edit, which is what yeah. I'm hearing. Now. Yeah. Yeah. He did. Um, he also did uh, the adventures of Raggedy Ann and Andy, a beloved childhood classic of mine, which is also weird as fuck. Mm -hmm. And the animation on it is so nice though. It's so tactile. Anyway, I just yeah. like, I, I can go on at length about Raggedy Ann and Andy because I love it so dearly. But anyway. That's one of those movies that I saw as a kid and was expecting it to be like, oh, this is, it's Raggedy Ann and Andy. This is going to be the cutest, funnest movie ever. <laughs> no. And then halfway, it, like, no. it, it fucking dot in the kangaroo'd me. It was yeah, just it like, sure oh, shit, this is fucked up. Oh, no, I'm crying for the rest of my life. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know you become or you turn out like me, where in order to survive your trauma, you engulf it mm. and make it part of you. And now I like weirdly fucked up shit. Yes. Meanwhile, back in movie. the movie, Brian doesn't say I love you, and she doesn't have to find out that he doesn't love her or something like that, and they smooch a bunch. And she's like, "Oh, tell me next time, or maybe the time after that, or say like five years." <laughs> or never. Never's fine too. Never's maybe, also okay. Maybe and maybe she, Catherine is just like whatever you're going to say don't bother because we're never doing this again. I it's hard to tell. It's very it's a nice little scene and it mm -hmm. gives her it very quickly kind of reinstills in her some agency that was lost in that very first encounter where she's like you're disgusting. Okay, I'll go out with you. Then we're outside in an alleyway and there's yes. a bunch of unhoused zombies and also Alice Cooper is there. <laughs> So let's okay. talk. So let's talk about this for a second. Um, sure. Just very quickly, I think it's something like either one of the producers or a friend of Carpenter or something was Cooper's manager and got Cooper to do a song for the movie. And Carpenter was like, "Well, shit, dude, just be in the movie. You can mm. be one of you can be one of the homeless, uh, you know, unhoused horde." And uh, and it's uh it's dumb and bad because the idea of a home yeah. the idea of a faceless horde only works if you don't recognize <laughs> any of the faces. They don't have a face man, like a friend, yeah. a lead yeah. singer. Yes. Also the um the HD uh version of this film does no favors to the chalk white makeup that he's wearing. <laughs> Uh, it really does. It really looks very unnatural. He looks like he was made up for a black and white film. Like oh, he yeah. looks like he's supposed to be in Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or some shit. Like it's Thanks. very expressionist. Uh, I love Cabinet of Dr. Well, Caligari. Anyway, he anyway. and all the others just stare at the sky. This happens as the students are all loading into the church. And uh, in the back of the church, we see all of the scientific equipment uh, getting loaded in. And that yes. was when my little heart began to sing. Because if there is a way to my heart, it is to fill rooms and rooms with electronic and computery and sciencey equipment that nobody knows what it does. It's uh, like Monty Python's machine that goes ping. Mm -hmm. It was all just, it's just like machine that goes ping after machine that goes ping. And it's just like i'm so happy i'm so happy that it's a room it just looks like it looks like a comp usa 1984 showroom <laughs> floor like it's beautiful 
Right. So yeah, all of the, the women everywhere. folk arrived at the front of the building in a van, and all the dudes are in the back unloading computers <laughs> and expensive things. Then uh, <laughs> the women arrive inside. Yeah, and now it's forty-five minutes of people shaking hands and introducing each other. <laughs> oh, like we're not, and we're not going to go through all of these, but it's a lot of how do you do? Do you know what we're doing here? No, I don't. How do you do? Do you know what we're doing here? No, I don't. So this church is like a decrepit church in, in what appears to be like a, a, not a great part of, I think, Los Angeles. It is Los Angeles. It's downtown okay. LA. So whenever the priest shows up, he's being driven in like... A limo. Is it a limo or is it just a fancy car? That's a limo. Okay. That's what I thought. Anyway, he's driven in a limo and he gets dropped off and the limo just takes the hell off. Like, are you not afraid he's going to get shivved on the way into the church or something? Oh, they don't I mean, care. You know, maybe that's unfair of me, but they... it's like... You know, it's it's not a nice part of town. You'd think that someone would escort him. It's daylight. There's people milling about. And besides, they know that if he does get shivved, his soul's fine. Oh, that's like, a good point. He goes right to heaven. This is this is what these people want. They want to die and <laughs> go to heaven. <laughs> that's an interesting interpretation of Christianity. <laughs> they just want, we're all just killing time before we can meet Jesus. That's it. This is the longest line at a con ever, our temporal life. <laughs> there's a couple of different interpretations of con there that i think might work mm. yeah um <laughs> anyway sorry the women arrive sorry. inside sorry. in a room full of cots they're like oh gross cots yeah, right. this sucks yeah. How, why did this place that's old and busted get shut down Anybody know? No one knows. No one knows. Closed down in 1950s. My parent, one of them's like, oh, my parents used to go here and then it stopped being a church in 1950 and nobody knows why. Mm -hmm. um, oh, well, we're now, introduced to that guy who's the only person who's maybe worse than Walter. Not yet, because Leahy arrives now and he's like okay. the other professor dude. Yes, this is who I'm thinking of. Yes. Oh, he's worse and, than Walter? I think, well... Him going around making trumpet noises is the, something that would make <laughs> oh, me you just absolutely like the, the mouth insane <laughs> immediately. Yes. yes. And I can imagine working with this man and within 15 minutes just wanting to murder him. Now, I will say this. He does do a lot of trumpety sounds. He is neither sexist nor homophobic. So I think granted, Wal I think Walter still has the edge. Mm -hmm. uh, I also oh, would yeah. like I would also like to point out that between blonde Ted Lasso and uh, Dr. Leahy, there's like two ages of Jason Sudeikis in this movie. <laughs> like because Dr. Leahy doesn't not look like Sudeikis doing a character on SNL. Like mm -hmm. he's got that kind of like, I'm just this self-important white guy who's a little avuncular. How's it going? Josh, what's up? I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Um, but bring it I, in. I finished listening. I finished listening <laughs> to the under the silver lake uh, episode today. And I think you think a lot of people look like Jason Sudeikis. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'll, that's fine. No, that's just my observation. I just, I'm just throwing that out there. I sure is that an Easter egg for the listeners? I don't walk down the street pointing people going like they're all Jason said Malkovich, Malkovich, Sudeikis, Sudeikis, Sudeikis. You know, like are you, not, are you sure that's not your life? No, but both of those guys, that blonde mustache guy, looks like blonde Ted Lasso, and Doctor Leahy looks like a like a stuffy, puffy, uh, you know. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, Anyways. Okay. Anyways. Uh, Gosh, now, Walter. I respect your opinion. 
I appreciate that. Walter is whining and complaining. He's like, yeah. I had a hot date this weekend with a with a attorney in Century City, and uh, and blonde Ted Lasso was like, Oh, where were you gonna take? Him. Him. And this is happening in front of the other characters introducing themselves to each other. Hi, how do you do? Do you know why we're here? No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, at what point are they? Yeah, that's the thing is that they haven't been told what they're doing. And I'm like, at some point, you're going to have to tell them or they're not going to be able to do any work. Yeah, I think right now they're just being told, like, here, take a reading of this, look at that, yeah. analyze this, look at this book. <laughs> but nobody, but they, but the all of the all of the you know the the cookie trail is there, but nobody has any idea what's at the end of it except for our two guys. A uh, um, couple of lanky dudes walk in and they accost another woman named Susan, who is Su- super married. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. This guy. Is the is 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 tied for third place, Frank? <laughs> with yeah, fr- with the guy the guy who won't get out of the doorway. Oh yeah, that's disgusting behavior. Um, yeah, I hate him. Yeah, he's but, bad. You know, he unlike Walter, he does get his comeuppance. He does. The other guy in the room, I forget his character's name, but he is played by Tom Bray, who played the nerd on 1980s procedural Riptide, which was almost exactly like Simon and Simon. It was like two hunky guys who solved mysteries, but they had a third friend who was a dorky guy who knew computers and had a robot. Oh, yeah. No, that makes... Yeah, no, Jen and I were like... I was turning to Jen and like, do you think that guy's a nerd? He looks like old timey Justin Long. Yeah, it's like you know the nice thing about eighties movies is you never have to worry about about figuring out if someone's a nerd or not. It's it's but everyone in this movie is a nerd. And I say if you go back, if you look up Riptide and look at the character Tom, like literally his glasses were with the thing, and Mm -hmm. he looked like he should be called Eugene. Um, (laughs) But anyways, and the woman, so the person who's being blocked, uh, the woman's name is Susan. And she wears glasses and she's a radiologist. Okay. And noted. it's very it's I, very important that I'm we note sure, that. I'll remember can, that. Okay, but you know that. what else we need to know about her? What's that? A little bit clumsy. Little oh, wow. bit clumsy. But she's a radiologist and she wears glasses and her name is yep. Susan. It's important that we know that. Um and they don't nobody knows what's going on still and mm-hmm. blah 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 uh and then uh, we throw over to lisa another one of the students who is translating the book and she's like yeah it's a bunch of languages but besides the numbers i got this i can figure this all out no problem this is gonna be easy as pie and we uh we look at the text on the screen and as she's being very lighthearted about this the screen is like something is being unleashed you're all doomed right? this is bad yeah. news no seriously <laughs> lisa look over here at what you're translating your hands are doing this it's like the book uh, of revelation like yeah oh i think it's like i i think what it is is that she's like oh this is some this is some quote unquote religious nonsense. And I, I'm a science person and I don't, I don't truck with it. Um, Mm -hmm. Now father Donald is walking up to the church. Uh, He observes that the sun and moon are still being very, very weird. Uh, And all of the unhoused people are being creepy and standing around in a cultish way. Yes. And then is this ant lady? Yes. He turns around and ant lady's right there in his face. And she's got a cup full of protein. 
back to my previous point, he's been dropped off in the scenario where there's a bunch of unhoused people standing creepily around. But she wasn't there. And they there. just dropped him off and took off. <laughs> no one was within like a block. Oh, okay. All right. Ant Lady wasn't there until he turned around. Oh, do you mean Worm Lady? No, those are maggots. Are they? Yes. Yes. You're maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. She's like, oh, thank you, Father. It's so nice that you're opening this place up again. <laughs> she shakes his hand and, like, nuzzles against it. And then he sees her cup full of maggots and beef, I guess. And oh, yeah, uh, right. then wipes his Whoa. hand off on his pants and goes inside. Yeah. Like, nothing happened. And now everyone is down in the basement for big time show and tell to see the giant uh, Nutribullet of ectoplasm juice. <laughs> and Father Donald is like... He is gaining strength. Yeah, and that's because, like, even though a thousand candles are lit in the room, they needed to set up extra lights. You think that's why he's gaining strength? No. He's okay. ready for his close-up, Mr. <laughs> exactly. Donald. He's like, oh, what's going on out here? I was going to sleep for several more centuries, but this has piqued my interest. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> be again, this is the law. When scientists occupy a building to observe it and to be murdered by it, you have to set up the Klieg lights. That is part That's of true. it. You need Klieg lights. You need the machine that goes ping. You need big microphones and video cameras. You need all of this to record it for posterity uh, or so it can all be smashed so nobody will ever know what happened here. You know what? This is why Sphere wasn't any good. They didn't put any Klieg lights in front of the Sphere. They did. Did they? Oh, well, then Remember they put up the good. cameras and the video stuff? They were like, oh, we're yeah. going to monitor this thing 24-7 oh, and the generators yeah, okay, go right. on. Jeez, it's like it's almost like I tried to erase everything about Sphere from my memory. I'm starting to think this movie's a lot like Sphere. Oh, this no. movie's a lot. There's a reason. No, this actually, movie's it is. a lot like Sphere. Like it is, it's that trope. It's the scientist. It's like uh, the haunting. It's like uh, all these movies where it's like, we got a team of scientists. There's something weird. The scientists are going to go look at it. The scientists get house. Like, mm -hmm. that's a great mm -hmm. genre. I'm a big oh, fan is. of that. Mm -hmm. uh, except for Sphere, which is poopy. So Lisa is on one computer entering scripture, and Catherine's on a different computer typing math. And then she looks up, and there's worms on the window. Yeah. But just in a little corner of it. And it's weird. It's a big, gloopy blob of worms. Earthworms. <laughs> on a horizontal surface, which <laughs> I didn't quite know they could do. <laughs> Um, or a vertical surface. Vertical rather. surface, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My assumption is it was shot. the The glass, the window mm -hmm. was horizontal, mm -hmm. and they shot up. From no, they no? reversed the footage of a bunch of blobs of worms squishing down the window. Oh, oh. I love it. That's oh, great. it's like those. It's like those wacky wall crawlers. Gross worms. You, yeah, it was like those worms you could get in the eighties. Yeah, I think like, they like put handfuls down. of worms in some sort of goo <laughs> and then threw them at the window. And then oh filmed God. them squirming down. And so then many worms then were harmed it. in the making of this film. A lot of sure. bugs are harmed in this movie. I assume, yeah. You know, but I bet a lot, just as many, if not more, did absolutely fine and got out <laughs> and got out well, just fine. You know, you, you know, if you apply that to 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 a film with humans, you, you get Twilight Zone the movie. It's true. Yeah, that should have been. I, that was Landis's defense. Actually, it was like, let's not focus on the three actors who died. Let's focus on all the actors who lived. Eh? Yeah. Eh? I'm not going to jail because I'm white. Uh, uh, and he did fine. And he did fine. That's why I always refer to uh, John yeah. Landis as raconteur, director, and murderer.
And you're correct to do so. And, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, not everybody went down to look at the swirly lab. Like the computer ladies uh, were upstairs, and so is lanky guy Justin Long. He's like, I don't even know what we're doing or why we're here, so I'm going to leave. <laughs> have to go home this weekend. Gross, stupid Frank and Calder, uh, who I don't think we get his name until five minutes no. before his character God, dies. No. But his name is Calder. Uh, so Frank is just like, this is all a bunch of bullshit. This is horse hockey. And Calder is tweaked. He is not happy about seeing the tub of goo. He is very nervous about all of this. Hmm. Yes, because the others didn't see the tub of goo or get the like weird vibes that are in the room. Yeah, everyone right. who goes down there's like experiencing something that yeah. we can't see. Well, some of them are like Frank saw it and he's just like, "Yeah, it's a big tub of goo. What are we gonna do about it?" Bada bing, uh, and Calder who definitely is wearing a crucifix and if it was tucked under yes. his shirt for the rest of the movie it is tucked the fuck over his shirt frank seems to be the only one who's not directly like oh this is no this is weird is frank frank's Wait, the bald balden fellow blonde skeleton right wait frank windham oh yeah he's the beetle Which, man is oh okay Who's who's the who's the who's the larger fellow with the the larger Baldwin fellow? I never who got does, his like, name. tech stuff. Oh, I call him Big Head. Okay, the reason the the only reason <laughs> he I'm said Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, is like I was. So Jen was like, "Is he somebody?" I'm like, "I don't think so." And then afterwards, I looked. And I'm like, "Oh, holy shit! He's on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's 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 Scull no Scully's the other one." He's Mulder. Anyway. 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 So Tom, Tom Bray is like, well, that certainly sounds like there's a big weird thing ago in the basement, but I got shit to do this weekend. So deuces I'm out. And he, he takes off down in the basement. One of the students is like, why aren't we taking direct samples from this? Right. And the other one is like, well, we did carbon testing of the lid and that's keeping us busy right now. Mm -hmm. And then they get, uh, and then I think, they're watching what Catherine's working on on a remote monitor, mm -hmm. and they both sort of observe, wait a minute, those are differential equations. And Catherine's upstairs talking to Brian, just be like, oh, yeah, I'm translating these from Latin. And I'm like, oh, my God, that must be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Aside from, like, showing that they had knowledge that they that we – heretofore do not think that they did in that era none of this number stuff actually goes anywhere does it um i mean eh. it's it's not like they suddenly decode what the numbers are and it's like here here's i don't know a message from the future telling you what to do what's important is that the book's two thousand years old yeah. and walter's like they didn't have differential equations then this is impossible Ugh. As they're having this conversation, uh, Kelly kind of stumbles backward and bumps her arm. Yeah. Ah. She's like, ah. Missed that. No, Susan. Wait, no, Susan. Kelly. Kelly, does. Kelly no, has Kel the arm. Isn't, I think, isn't nope. Susan the blonde one with the ponytail? No. No, Susan's, Susan's radiologist the radiologist with the glasses. glasses. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, yes. Um, Susan's, Susan's the second hottest one. I remember. Right. Yeah. I like uh, her hair and glasses. Kelly's the blonde yes. with the ponytail. Yes. 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 And, she's and she is clumsy. 
Yes, sorry. Yes, yes she is clumsy. Susan's not clumsy. Okay. She bumps into the thing. She bonks her arm, uh, and we don't think of it. And then there's more translating, uh, and uh, Lisa's doing some translating, and she's like, it's something about how the devil was sealed in something. Something, something, you know. Irrelevant. Something, something, devil sealed in something. Prince of darkness, devil, Satan, you know. Sealed. Catherine brings Big Head to look at the worm window, and there's more worms. Mm. This is bad. Uh, Susan, a radiologist in glasses, comes into the basement and is kind of regarding the big tub of goo and is like, that thing won't open ever unless it's from the inside because it's yes. got all kinds of locks on it. So it would have to be a conscious being who could undo the locks from the inside. That's not going to happen. It's just green goo. <laughs> doop, doop, boop, boop. And meanwhile, more unhoused people mill around outside menacingly. It's nighttime. It's snack time for Leahy. He's going to juggle an apple oh, and make mouth trumpet noises. I hate it. You hate this so much. And I was like, this guy, I wish this guy was my uncle. He's cool. <laughs> we, yeah, he's avuncular. Yeah. I don't like when people make weird, like weird mouth noises. I don't like it when people whistle in public. I don't. I don't like it intruding on my existence. Also, oh. also, can I just say that the whole like, oh, it's locked from the inside is really cool and creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred million percent. I love it. I love it to death. Where do you stand on Fred Newman then? You must hate Fred Newman. You don't even know who that is, do you? Is he the guy from Police Academy? No, out of control. Um, you'd know was, him if you saw him. He was a he was on a Canadian show that was on Nickelodeon called Out of Control, and he makes he put it. He literally mouth. he literally put out a book called Mouth Sounds, um, and he it, was. It depends yeah. if he's okay. To be fair, like if that's somebody's performance in a film or something, that's one thing. I'm imagining working with with trumpet mouth, sure. and he's just always doing the fucking trumpet whenever he walks by, and it just. I don't want to hear it. Well, it seems like Walter also doesn't want to hear it, and he's no, the only no. one present for this. So, like, Walter doesn't want to hear anything. At least he's being punished in some way by the movie. Yes. That, oh, yeah, and he's also true. being shown uh, foreshadowing by Tom and Jerry. Uh, that's right. If there's one thing that John Carpenter loves, <laughs> it's putting on the nose programming on TV screens that his characters are watching. Um, and in this case, it's a Tom and Jerry cartoon where Tom falls through a hole in the earth and ends up in the devil's cauldron he's like this is boring i'm gonna turn this off yep this isn't pornography and kelly is standing at the window and she has this whole thing she's like look at these unhoused people i have a friend who studies schizophrenia and if there's one thing she knows about schizophrenia is that they only do things on 20 minute loops and then they go back to them and it's a very I don't know if it's fucking true or not, yeah. uh, but it, she says it's a very specific kind of schizophrenic, which then begs the question, how can you tell that these unhoused people are that specific kind of schizophrenic? Did you just sniff it in the air or something? But she's like, they only work on 20 minute loops and then they go back to what they were doing. But these people are just standing there and what they're doing is blocking either side of an alleyway, mm -hmm. which would be the only way one could get out if one hopped out a window. Yes. Mm. Hot take. Here's my hot take. That's weird for anybody to do, whether they're schizophrenic or not. Valid. 
<laughs> like like i don't care if you're on a 20 minute loop or whatever like just just mm. the uh average joe is standing stock still in the same place for hours i would think that was peculiar i think i would have been nope, concerned earlier in the day when they were like encircling the church at regular intervals <laughs> like i would have been yeah. like you know what that's weird we should probably make note of that not now while they're blocking up all the alleyways yeah. and you know throwing furniture in front of all the front doors yeah anyways yeah. yeah anyways then walter notices her bruise and she's like yeah i bumped my arm and he was like it could be nerves and she's like it's not nerves walter i literally just said i bumped my arm you don't get bruises from nerves. And then Walter's like, that's not true. When I was a kid, I used to break out all the time. And the doctor said it was homosexual panic. <sighs> I mean, it like it's Walter. So it's impossible. That's true. On the wiki for this. Yeah. Uh, there. Yeah. So on the wiki for this, I forget the Scott, the film scholar or critics name, but uh, they were theorizing that this is all this movie is a, it is a metaphor for AIDS. Yeah. Um, which uh, I don't know. 100% because there's about like that. three mentions of homosexuality and Walter gets locked in a closet. Well, that's there's two things. <laughs> that's there's, a good point. There's the AIDS part, which is the transmittable from person to person, which we'll get when everybody's spitting stuff in each other's mouth. And then there's specifically Walter's closetedness where mm. somebody calls him gay and then he says he has a, a homosexual panic when he was a kid. And then, yes, later he is literally locked into a closet. Are we to believe this is what Carpenter was thinking and that he was like, as far as the AIDS metaphor goes, I don't think so. And as far as the, is Walter actually gay and is covering it up by acting like a butt? It doesn't seem like a character Carpenter would write, but, but I mean, I, the signs are there. It could be something the actor decided to do. Interesting. I would I would buy that. I the the AIDS metaphor. Here's listen. Here's the thing: is that film some certain certain types of film critic will look at any movie from the eighties and say it's an AIDS metaphor. Yes. Not every movie from the eighties is an AIDS metaphor. There was an awful lot of AIDS in the nineteen eighties, and it sort of permeated yeah. uh, uh, permeated. It's are all of our thinking yeah, so background like, radiation so like yeah. sort of but i don't i wouldn't i if it's like the thing is that if that's it's supposed to be intentional i think that's a real muddled metaphor oh a thousand mm -hmm. million percent i mean the only thing is is that it's communicable from person to person but yeah. like so so isn't the flu so isn't a cold the movie is so very at its core like its core conceit is, is so nihilistic. It almost seems like there wouldn't be like, there's not much point in having an AIDS metaphor on top of it. Like the, we'll, we'll get to it later, but it's already working with some pretty dark m material. Yep. I like the theory that it's an actor choice on Walter's part. Although I yeah. mean, Carpenter wrote all of these lines. I don't know how much riffing he allowed the actor to do. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but it's like, but it's, it's like actor bullshit. Like it's yeah. not anything that the movie needs one way or the other. Anyway, speaking of the movie, 
let's talk about the movie. So now, uh, Dr. Riptide, the student, uh, pieces out for the weekend. Uh, after he has a conversation with Leahy where he's like, yeah, I tested these things and I think the readings are a million zillion. And then Dr. Leahy's like, that's impossible. And he goes, well, you told me to guess. And he's like, ah, get out of here. And d- doesn't give him a noogie, but it feels like he <laughs> wants so to true. give him a noogie. Mm-hmm. He's real uncles. Um, and then, uh, so then uh, Tom Bray, uh, leaves and starts walking down the back stairs and sees a pigeon crucified to a cross. Mm -hmm. He's listening to music real loud on his headphones. Music that I assume, because it is heavy metal, I assume that is Alice Cooper's uh, closing credits theme for uh, or uh, Prince of Darkness. That I would think be that's an incredible be. coincidence because look who's down the alleyway. It's Alice <laughs> Cooper. So Freddy Krueger's dad. Ha! Um, well, one of one of many. Exactly. Oh okay. yeah, that, that, that big yeah. guy's adoptive father. Maybe he, he that was unclear. Of, he is, of course, the, Freddy Krueger, as we all know, is yes. the bastard child of 2,000 maniacs or something yeah. like that. Whatever that <laughs> the, the, At least 50. I believe 100 maniacs is the yeah. right one of, one of the most amazing lines from modern cinema. Um, That's true. So, uh, so now Alice Cooper, who is holding half of a bicycle, the front tire and the handlebars are gone, so it's just that <laughs> middle rod part sticking out. With the yeah. seat and the tire. Yes, so the seat and the tire are there. So he sort of we- slowly begins to wheel it towards uh, Tom Bray. Tom Bray looks around and is like, maybe I'll go back up these stairs. But now all of these unhoused zombie people are standing at the top of the stairs. Menacingly holding pipes. <laughs> so now Tom Bray has absolutely no choice but to be ran directly the fuck yeah. through oh, by this yeah. half bicycle. And it's truly a lovely kill because of the way that Bray is standing, the front tire provides balance. So he's just sort of standing there leaning forward dead. The other thing that I learned from the wiki is that this bicycle and this entire kill is from Alice Cooper's stage show. Yes. Oh, neat. So Carpenter was like, hey, you want to take your trademark prop and kill someone with it? Yeah, sure, that sounds great. And this is me going quietly, Boo, that's stupid. Like, why does he have a bicycle? Why would that be Alice Cooper's thing? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, they all have piles of, I mean, like, we see that they have access to piles and piles of junk, which they later use to lay I meant for his stage uh, show. Oh, he hates bicycles? Who fucking loves bicycles? But again, it's just like, don't do things. And luckily, I didn't know that when I was watching the movie for the first time, because I don't know a lot about Alice Cooper's stage show. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, it's like, why would you do that? Keep people in your movie. But it, again, I have nothing against Mr. Cooper. Uh, I don't think his politics in mine line up, uh, but certainly I enjoy his garbage music uh, as much as anybody. Uh, but like, it's so identifiable as a real actual world thing. It's like, why would you pull your audience? It's winky nudgy. And it's like the movie didn't need any help with winky nudgy. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Uh, I knew nothing about this and I just thought it looked cool. And there's like a real good jet of blood out of his back oh. because he gets like it's this is arguably one of the like the goopiest moments of this movie, which is 
really not that goofy of a movie. I love it when there's a tube. There's a great kill in yeah. Wes Craven's yeah, yeah. Dead, Deadly Friend where somebody gets killed with a Voss uh, and the blood <laughs> squirts out of the Voss. And it's just like, uh, and this is when I knew that Kayla had finally, had finally like, was enjoying this. I had, I had always been worried, like, is Kayla enjoying this as much as I am? But she just kind of looked up from her phone and just went, that's great. And I was like, <laughs> ah, this is good. Okay, good. We're on the same page. We both understand that this is terrific. Anyways, so uh, farewell, uh, Dr. Tom Bray. You're not here anymore. Flan Ted Lasso is like, hey, uh, Dr. Barack, we got to talk, my man. Everything here is going crazy. What's in that green tube? What's going on? Come on. And then Barack just rattles off a Bible passage or something about Satan. And he's like, no, the thing is, is that all of this is crazy. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Brian's like, there's like some sort of life form forming itself out of prebiotic fluid. And so uh, Barack gives him a print off from the the book that's being entered into yep. the computer from Lisa. And he's like, you're not going to believe this. And then Brian's like, what do you mean it's Satan? Except he doesn't say it out loud. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe he said it, but it just got stuck in his mustache. Back downstairs. <laughs> back downstairs, Susan, the radiologist with glasses, is walking up to the evil cylinder and says to a student who's departing, Big Head, I think this is yes. student, yeah. yep. Dr. Big Head. She's like, yeah, we carbon dated that as 7 million years old. Pretty crazy, huh? 7 million years old. Anyways. And the guy is like, hey, you want me to stick around down here while you do your fake science? And she's like, absolutely not. How could I be threatened by a giant tub of seven million year old green goo? Why that's crazy. Yeah. He he leaves and walks down the corridors full of millions of candles. And in the big tube room, the camera cuts back and forth between Susan and the tube. It's just like there was a weird L meme for a while where it's like, and he looks at me and I look at him oh, yes. and it just loops. That happens for like five minutes. And we see that the tube has sprung a leak, but the green goo is dripping upwards and pooling on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And it looks cool as fuck. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. there's a meeting upstairs. Yep. The tube was buried thousands of years ago by God, and Jesus was an alien. Let's, oh, man. Let's back this whole thing. Let's walk this that cat thing. backwards. So Lisa is giving her book report. And she basically says that a jabillion years ago, the father of the devil walked the earth and he had a son the devil. And before the devil's dad, who I guess is like the super devil or whatever, uh, before, the, before the super devil could be banished to the dark place. He took his, he jarrelled his son, basically, or kal yeah. his son. He took his son, put him in a tube, and buried it, and then was banished to the dark place. Okay, and that's then, the opposite of kal your son. You put, it, yeah. you put him further into the planet instead of farther away from the planet. But it's ultimately, it's the same thing. It's like, I got to protect mm. my son. I got to put him in a cylinder and put that cylinder somewhere where nobody's going to get him. I know where you're going with this, and I don't. And I respect it, but I. This is also more like Captain America and your son. Yeah, if anything. But look, he puts the kid, and then he gets banished, and uh, then Jesus, who showed up, I don't know, a million years later, several, I, who even knows, Jesus, who is an alien. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Go on. Came to this earth, 
And I guess maybe we're supposed to believe then that also the devil's father and his son were also aliens. I mean, that would make sense. And then Jesus came here to to hunt him down, um, but then was just like, hey, everybody, there's a big tube of the devil's son underground, and I'm here to warn you about it. And he was killed for speaking the truth. Because he sounded like a crazy person. <laughs> well, and the, the distinction here is that it's not like, it's not like, oh, you know, Jesus, the son of God, he was an alien, blah, blah, blah. It's like there was an alien named Jesus who did this stuff and came to warn us. Mm-hmm. He's just an alien named Jesus. Meanwhile, downstairs, Susan is getting closer to the tube. She's noticed the drip. She looks up at the ceiling. She sees the swimming pool in the ceiling. And then someone in the ceiling pool turns on the garden hose and squirts her in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Turns on the, fu- the, the 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 wacky fountain. <laughs> yeah, she gets a mouthful of lime, Ricky. Old timey image macro war garble. Like this is a, <laughs> like a dog with a sprinkler in its mouth, just like. Uh, Meanwhile, back upstairs, Lisa is kind of finishing up her book report. And as Corey said, like uh, he was Jesus was killed for saying I'm an alien and there's a big bucket of alien devil goo that's buried here. Don't kill me. Uh, But they kill him. But his disciples uh, basically say, all right, we're going to guard this thing, this tube that's been buried in the Middle East somewhere. And we're going to make sure it's safe forever and ever so future scientists who are more sophisticated than us can dig us up and prove alien christ correct and then maybe you'll do something about it yes and father donald's just like it was more convenient to lie to people and say that satan was out in the world than in a tube yeah that he's in the heart look we'll say that satan is in the hearts of all men and their bad thoughts (laughs) and then the friends we made along the way And then he just basically is like, as it turns out, this entire religion is fucking stupid. Like he is salt. He is salty. He refers to he was like, we were all just salesmen, just hawking our wares. It is Ah, is a good performance. Fucking great. It's great writing. It's a great performance. It's real. It makes no sense. (laughs) It makes no sense. Mm. But he, but it's he sells it. He believes it, and we believe it. And as we're sitting there, we're like, yeah, obviously, alien Jesus came to Earth to warn us Uh about Satan, devil, blah blah blah. blah. I had a professor. I promise, I'm not going to go off on too much of a tangent. I had a professor who was a conspiracy theory guy, um, Mm. Jim Sproul, hell of a guy. Uh, he was a former uh, 60s radical, did like Black Panther shit, did radical theater shit. Uh, he was amazing and he did all of the drugs and he had so many conspiracy theories and we would just sit in his office and we'd just be like, hey, how does everything work? And he'd be like, the government tested LSD on people in the subways, which turned out to be true. He hmm. believed that the unhoused were stockpiling weapons for the revolution not true um Unfortunately. But, but then yeah uh yes uh but then also he believed in the alien jesus theory uh-huh. um and i would because i was always be like but that doesn't that makes no sense and he's like think about the burning bush wouldn't you say that moses the scars that he bore from the burning bush that's just radiation poisoning oh <gasps> Yep, exactly. And then uh, we all get, and then we all got more high. Uh theater school. Sure. It's great. Anyways, 
Donald Pleasance is salty about the Catholic Church being a lie based around an alien tube of goo. Susan, the radiologist who lost her glasses, so who will know who she is now? <laughs> That's a good point. She's just laying on the floor going, go, 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 go. Just get, just really, you can tell Satan's like hitting the primer pump and it's like starting a lawnmower. She's like, and then blonde Ted Lasso is like, Hey, there's a burst of energy on one of our bebop machines. It looks like something's really happening. This seismograph shows that there was a beam of directed energy from the tube. It must be conscious and using mind psychic powers to move things around we've never seen this before dr burke is like don't tell anybody right you gotta and, prove and, it <laughs> yeah and, and boards is just like i'm gonna tell my girlfriend though i'm gonna tell her right the fuck now I also like how both Dr. Barack and Blonde Ted Lasso seem to be on the same page. Like, this is incredible. It's a force of directed energy and we've got to tell everybody. And Dr. Barack is like, I completely agree. Just make sure it wasn't a draft. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, what if it was just a really strong draft? Yeah, it could have been a draft. Somebody could have farted. You have to prove (laughs) that something is conscious. No big deal. He's a little too incredulous sometimes. And Walter is like, this is all bullshit. Everybody's stupid. Why am I the only one who's not stupid? I had a hot date this weekend. Fart. Uh, And he's terrible. Downstairs, Susan stands up. Yeah. She's she's ready. She's primed and ready. And uh, Dr. Barack and Blunt and Lasso are theorizing like, uh, oh, it's maybe what the fuck is in there? Maybe it's energy. Who knows? And then Walter is in the hallway and he sees possessed Susan, the glasses-free radiologist. He says, she missed the history lesson. It's unbelievable. Can you believe this? And then he takes a bite of an apple and then throws it in the garbage. Oh, yeah. wasting an apple. And Susan's just standing there and staring at him and not saying anything, mm-hmm. which to be fair, at this point, Walter is used to people treating him like that because generally he talks and then you hear an audible thud in the room. Like That's anytime true. he opens his mouth. So he doesn't think this behavior is weird. He grabs a beer from the cooler and, and Lisa's in the room. So that's somebody else to talk to. And he's like, hey, Lisa, has anyone ever told you you could pass as Asian? And she rolls her eyes and leaves. The correct response. Notably, they are both the both the characters are portrayed by Asian actors. And Walter is an annoying character. And Walter is he's fascinating. I mean, he's he's an asshole. I don't know. I I think I like the actor more than I like the character because yeah, I feel yeah. I feel like the actor basically looked at the part and went, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna really try my best to take this one and a half dimensional character and try and beef it up to two to two and a half dimensions." Um, I find the actor very likable, even when the word musings that are coming out of yes. his mouth uh-huh. are not. I agree. Yeah, it's just that he decided to go full asshole. Big Head comes in. He's like, where's Susan? And Walter's like, who? Oh, the radiologist with glasses. Yeah. Uh, and Walter's like, oh, I was just talking to her in the hallway. And this to me is one of the dumber scares oh or attempts to scare oh. in the movie because it's like, yeah, I was just talking to her in the hallway. And then they both poke their head out and she's not there. And it's <laughs> oh. like, they're like five minutes. It's a hallway. It like, would be weird if she was still standing there. They go out into the hallway to debate it because like, she's not here. Walter's like, she was just here a second ago. And they both just stand there like oh. it's a mystery. It absolutely wasn't a second ago. There was ample time for her to go somewhere she else. She was right next to a corner in the hallway. And then Walter's like, 
Anyway, can you believe this shit? Are we all just stroking ourselves here or what? Uh. And then the guy says nothing and just walks away. Yep. Walter has yet to figure out that he's the problem. <laughs> Blonde Ted Lasso and Catherine are talking about the tube and how the tube is using its power to possibly influence and change things. Mm -hmm. uh, Big Head has followed the uh, silhouette of Susan to the tube room and uh, can't find her anywhere. Room's empty, just a tube and all of this equipment. Then he finds her glasses on the ground and then an oscilloscope starts beeping like an alien uh, distance ping. <laughs> And exactly oh, it, she's right behind him. And he goes to turn around and she reaches forward and snaps his neck. And it's great. It is, it is great. Terrific. While this is happening, we have a really interesting scene coming up between uh, Dr. Brock and uh, and uh, uh, Father Pleasance. And I love the conversation they have because it's amazing because they're talking about the ramifications of what they've learned here. Um, under the assumption that it, that it's all true, which which Father Pleasance absolutely uh, believes it's true, and he's like, "Well, so okay, so if if God doesn't exist, if we're saying that Jesus was an alien and there is no God, but there's a motive force behind the universe, and it's not a force of good that keeps everything in order, but it's the opposite of that; it's its mirror image. Then that means that the universe is basically permeated with evil instead of." good and it's the opposite of what i've always believed and i'm just gonna lose my fucking shit now it is some amazing uh philosophical pseudoscience wankery it's a great conversation it's and the, so nihilistic every particle it. has an anti-particle so there's yeah. an anti-god and he was yeah. our prisoner i love it i i love i love this stuff i love it oh, so it's much. Great. and then it gets cold in the room like there's ghosts <laughs> if, you, if you talk about the tube his presence fills the room it's the first rule of tube club <laughs> three of the students are having a smoke about it in the parking lot and it's gross better it's gross burger frank um a brunette mullet dude student whose name i think we never get um and <laughs> he just sort of shows up at this point and just hangs around. It's weird. And I think blonde Ted Lasso, uh, but they're but they're talking and Frank is like, this is a joke. This is caca. And he lays that down like this is the absolute worst thing I can say about this. It's caca. Uh and the other two students and he's like, I'm leaving. And the other two students are like, fine, we're going back it's in. It's mullet and Calder. Yes. yes, that's it. Yes, and Frank just stands in the middle of the parking lot. Like, I'm not going back inside. You can all deal with this, Kaka. Frank's a child. He mutters Kaka under his breath. Uh, he's Frank doesn't know he's in an R-rated film and he's allowed to use big boy swears. And then he turns around and sees the crowd is getting closer. And then, wham, the back door to the church is kicked open and Susan's there. And she leans over the railing and she has beetles on her hands. And then he looks down at his feet and he has got beetles at his feet. It is, it's the British invasion all over again. <laughs> and uh, then we got, from, we got all of them. from like a wide view, we see Aunt Lady barrel out of the alleyway, cross the entire length of the parking lot and stab him in the back with a broken pair of scissors. It's like that top down scene from Psycho where, uh, no where, where Norman's mother uh, comes barreling out of a door and just like, it's so they're just kind of like wrestling and struggling and crushing a bunch of these beetles, which are just like these nice, like, um, 
Just nice black beetles. Yeah, they're good beetles. There is, it's a tremendous shot as Ant Lady is running towards him. There's a great shot, uh, and I don't know how they did it, a steady cam or whatever, of the hand with the knife sort of moving through the front or staying still while the background moves behind it. Mm. And it is this, and there's one other shot that felt to me the most Argento y. Oh, yeah. um, and this is that that shot of just the knife moving through time and space is giallo as shit. Like That's it's just true. it is a it is a gorgeous shot. She stabs him so many times, mm-hmm. so many mm-hmm. times. It's great. It's a lot of times. And we go inside and look at Catherine. Catherine is making a thinking face, and then we go to Lisa, who is. Uh, flipped a page on the book and found a symbol that she can't really transcribe it at the computer through a keyboard because it's like a cross with a hook at the bottom. Mm. Yeah, it was like one of it. Like it was one of the symbols that Prince rejected. <laughs> Very it much. Does look, it does look a lot like uh, like the Prince symbol, except without the uh, the O at the top. Let's all say this. It is a very identifiable and noticeable symbol. And mm-hmm. if one were to say have that symbol on their body, one wouldn't just mistake it for a bruise. Anyways. You would think. Maybe. Let's keep going. Well, Um, what she's translated on the screen is someone will be chosen. Yes. Everybody's like, hey, has anyone seen Susan and uh, Frank? Because nobody nobody knows where they are. Susan who? With glasses, oh, radiology. The radiologist with the she's got glasses and blonde hair. We throw to Frank, who is getting digested by beetles even more in the parking lot, and it's great. Oh, one of his hands has come off. We go to Walter's Dream World, which is an old VHS <laughs> yeah. of the front of the church. It's like we are coming to you from the future. Do not adjust your television set. <laughs> we bring word, whatever. We cannot transmit to you through normal ways, so we're doing shit with your dreams. We are transmitting through neurons from the year one, nine, and then Walter wakes up. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian's coming to the room and sh- shook him awake, and he's like, well, have you seen Susan? And Walter's like, who? And this is the second time Walter has done that. They do the Susan who bit three times, and this uh, is the second time with Walter, so he should know. Yep. That she's the radiologist with glasses. Anyways. And there's a meeting. Everyone, come to the meeting. Oh, yeah, everybody. There's going to be a meet. There's door meeting in half an hour, everybody. Except Lisa, who's chatting with Catherine. And, oh, wait, no, that's not it. None of that. She is hears a yet. thump. Lisa hears a thump outside. And she looks out in the hallway and Walter and Brian are walking downstairs. And Walter's like, hey, if I don't come back, wink, wink, you can have my Porsche. Ha 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 ha. Uh, Lisa, we're friends, right? And Lisa's like, no, you're terrible. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to turn off my computer and go have a nap. We've had yeah. exactly one exchange and it was grotesquely racist. Yes. Uh, so now Lisa lays down for a nap uh, to get a little shut eye. And then we see... Susan, <gasps> without glasses, from radiology, possessed by the devil, creeping up on her. Oh, yeah. We now go back to the dream, the exact same dream of the front of the church. And it looks like somebody recorded a TV that was showing a fifth generation VHS <laughs> because that's exactly how uh, Carpenter did it. Um, okay. And it's the same thing. We are transmitting to you, blah, 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 from the year one, nine, 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 n
And now we see that Dr. Barack is having the dream. And immediately, Father uh, Father Donald is like, what were you dreaming? Tell me real quick. What were you dreaming? Come on. Hey, weird coincidence <laughs> about the Brotherhood of Sleep is that everyone has the same dream here. It just gets longer and longer until it's everything. Dr. Burak is very cagey at first. He's like, I don't want to let you into my psyche. Oh, yeah. My dreams are private. I don't have to confess them to you. Yeah. My, Burak's dreams are Burak's business. You don't see a lot of science versus religion distrust in this movie. No. You, Brock and Father Pleasance are pretty much thick as thieves, but this is the mm. only time that he's like, you keep your spiritual mumbo jumbo out of my subconscious, you weird collar haver. <laughs> it's just, it's a weird flex. And then uh, Susan crawls over top of Lisa, who is trying to have a nap. Yeah, sure does. And Lisa's like, uh, 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 part, excuse me, I'm, I'm here on the bed. Uh, Lisa kind of stays, Lisa lets no. it happen for a little. No, no, no. no. Like, she says, maybe, well, maybe. No. She's like, no, and then no. Susan vomits water into her, her mouth. While. There's a there's a few seconds where it's like, oh, maybe she maybe she would be into a little sapphic delight. In your slash fic, perhaps. I look, guys, I like sapphic content in my movies. And you especially love fluids going from mouth to mouth. You know what I like? I like it when a lady is possessed and gets all sexy, okay? This is not what happens in this movie. This is a delightfully almost sexless movie. They, you know, we have blonde Ted Lasso and Catherine at the beginning. They they smooch a little, and then Walter's mm -hmm. just like a sex asshole and a sex yeah. pest. But yeah. for the most part, like, and this scene's actually a perfect example. There could have been sexy times in this, you know, in this mm -hmm. scene. There could have been nose nuzzling, but there isn't. There's just like, I'm on top of you. I'm spitting goo in your mouth. Now you work for me. Let's move it's on. It's true. Okay, you know what movie I have partially conflated this with? And I kind of knew I was doing it. But Ghostbusters. Uh, actually, no. Good, good guess. No, From Beyond by Stuart Gordon. I have never seen that. And I just, oh. because, I, because I'm an idiot who subscribes to Vinegar Syndrome, I just got the 4K of that in the mail yesterday. Nice. And I'm very excited to check it out. Excellent timing. If Stuart Gordon had directed this movie and Stuart Gordon absolutely could have directed a movie like this, it oh. would have been, there would have been a lot more sexy time bullshit. In that's, uh, that's, that's, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of a good description of From Beyond, to be honest. Yes. Anyways, so now uh, Lisa is part of the Demon Club. Uh, Father Donald is talking about the dream that everybody has some more. Uh, and it, the Guardian Priest had it too. And uh, Father Donald thinks it's like, a, it's like some kind of crazy premonition or something. Mm -hmm. Jen had this theory before before we got to see the whole, like the as close to the whole dream as we do. She was like, oh, no, they, they failed and they restarted counting years again. And they're... This, they're, they're broadcasting from the year 199 because they started, it's no longer um, AD, it's like AS or whatever. Yes. After Satan. <laughs> that was my, I, that was my contribution is that it was the, it was ass. The year of ass. Yeah. Yeah. The year of ass. Um, <laughs> what year isn't the year of ass? Am I right? Ada Stone and I. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Walter and Blonde Ted Lasso are down in the basement. Walter says something stupid because that's all that Walter says. I think Mullins left because this place sucks. Maybe him and Susan are off boffing somewhere and they're off getting Chinese food. And, uh -huh. 
And then blonde Ted Lasso gives him a look. And then Walter's like, why does everybody look at me like that all the time? And, uh, and blonde Ted Lasso says, cause you're being asshole -ish. And, yes. and Walter says, well, it's very asshole-ish of you to tell me that. Uh, on one hand, it's like, this is exhausting. And on the other hand, I was like, that's a cute exchange. And they did a good job with it from an acting yeah. level. Like that was a yeah. very, there was a, asshole-ish is a weird word to have two characters use back to back. And both of them made it very, and again, this is not my defense of Walter as a human being, no. as a character. This is a, like, I think the guy does a good job. And even Blonde Ted Lasso, who is kind of a stick through this whole thing. Both of them have a nice, easy rapport and it's nice. nice. That's it. And then they leave without going far enough into the room to discover the dead body and yes. the ceiling water drips into its mouth. Catherine's confused by her equations. It's like they used to make sense, but now they're just they're just jibber jabber. Uh, and Kelly is very, very sleepy and she is going to go take a nap uh, before she leaves. Catherine notices Kelly's bruise and is like, man, that bruise is real nasty. And uh, she's like, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't hurt. And everybody in the audience goes, that is no longer a bruise. That is weird ritual scarification that looks like she was branded with that exact symbol that Lisa saw in her book before she got goo shot into her mouth and became a devil person. You're bad scientists, everybody. There's a lot of shit going on and they have reached their the amount of shit they can deal with. And they're just both agreeing to not deal with this particular piece of shit right now. Uh, all of the lighting is in the basement and they can't see very well. Ha! <laughs> She goes and knocks on the door to the, the cot room, just in case anyone's having sex there. And they're not. And they're not. And she goes in, and just as she's about to lay down, Calder walks by and was like, big doings in the lab. Uh, there's going to be a meeting. And she's like, I just need to sleep. Come back and get me in 15 minutes. And he goes to get Lisa, who's typing away at her computer without looking at the big book of words or the computer screen covered in I live. Granted, but I also do know, like, there are people who absolutely can do that and type, like, comprehensively. Can't be done. One cannot no, type without with a... looking at the keyboard. You have to I look at the keyboard. I mean, I have to look you at the You have to use two but... fingers and look at the keyboard <laughs> or you can't tell where the buttons are. Why are you telling everybody how I type? It's my secret. It's my special secret. Anyways, as Calder uh, looks at the screen, the text changes to say, you will not be saved by the Holy Ghost. You will not be saved by the God Plutonium. In fact, <laughs> comma, you will not be saved. It's like the most dramatic. Like, the God Plutonium. <laughs> you will not be saved on a train. You will not be saved <laughs> on a plane. It's weird that the devil brings up your god plutonium because even your nukes can't save you no no yeah. no he's he's because he's appealing to he's because he's uh he's he's saying your your religion won't save you nor will your science oh okay that makes more sense i didn't know why it was specifically plutonium but okay. what can't plutonium do can't love you <laughs> it can can't like, give, give anyone hug. hugs with yeah. radioactive arms or nuclear yeah. arms. Oh. <laughs> Poor plutonium. It will or never plutonium know. arms. Yeah. 
<laughs> if you only can't. I could hold you with my plutonium arms. You can't hug your children with nuclear arms. Oh, I remember that Jesus. poster. That my ha- I had a hippie-ish aunt who like did folk dancing uh-huh. and stuff. She had that hanging in her basement rec room right next to her War is Not Healthy for Children and Other Living Things poster. She oh, was yeah. great. My Aunt Fern was great. Anyways, look, the machines are beeping and they're clicking and they're whirring with the thing that does the deal and beep and boop and chugga, chugga, chugga. Um, and uh, and then we throw back and now uh, Susan, uh, Ziz's Calder, uh, she gets right up in his mouth and puts and shoots Devil directly into his mouth in the form of a kiss. And, yeah. it, and it mm. sounds literally oh boy. exactly like a bong. Literally, exactly <laughs> like and I argue that this is good good evidence that the earlier scene was not sexy, or it would have been a kiss. Oh, no, I know. Yes. I've been okay. I want to make it clear. We would have had lip contact and a bong no, okay. rip. No, 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 to no. Show you everyone that it was sexy. That's not the point I was trying to make. The point that I was trying to make was maybe Lisa was briefly hoping it was sexy. Yeah. Okay. That was my not that not the 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 radiologist with the glasses thought it was sexy. I thought you said she was the second hottest lady in the movie. That doesn't mean everything she does is sexual. Jesus, women can be hot and not be sexual every moment of the day. That's a very misogynist uh, take, Coriander. (laughs) You're a fucking buffoon, Anna. I know, aren't I though? (laughs) (laughs) i prefer miss andry thank you anyway uh she bong rips the devil into calder's soul (laughs) the shotgun it doesn't make any sense because she's putting fluid in him it's hard to tell because and let me throw this out because calder acts very differently than lisa does Yes. Because it sounds like a bong, I'm almost wondering if she sucked his soul mm-hmm. right out of him. Uh, I don't think she put fluid into I him. I think he put she put yeah. I think she you in, know impregnated why? him with the goo. Yeah. Uh, you know why, but he uh, doesn't act like they do. He no, doesn't None of them the act the same. Lisa and Susan act the same. There's a reason no, but that's because he's the only one who gets fluid in him who's actually a believe who actually believes in christianity he's on a level able to fight it a little bit and it basically makes him mad fucking a so everyone's like hey we should get out of here and burke and father donald are like no we should all stay and talk about the vhs dream does any of the words mean anything to anyone tachyons anybody (laughs) what if the dreams are a message sent by other human beings from the future. You mean like they're saying in the message, in the dreams? Maybe. It's it's super easy. All you have to do is figure out exactly where oh, the God. earth is yeah. rotating at the exact time in history you want to send a message. That's a good it point to actually. make with time travel things. Time travel always neglects that aspect that we're not physically in the same It's position. true, but that's because then almost all time travel would end up with people floating dead in space, which is not great narratively. Whereas this makes perfect sense and uh, was proven by Carnegie Mellon a few years later to be completely true. And that's how we can communicate with people in the past now. Anyways, uh, so you pick a time and place where you know the earth is going to be in the place where you know it is. And then you ziz tachyon rays with your message 
and then they get into people's neurons and that's how everyone has the same dream. And then the computers all lose their feeds and everyone's like, yeah. oh, shit, this is act three. And so act three begins. <laughs> Susan and Lisa push the tube down the hallway. I want the director's cut of movie where we see oh, God. how they get it up the stairs. <laughs> Have you ever tried to move anything upstairs? Jesus. Yes. I want the scene where Susan's like, all right, hang on, pivot. <laughs> all right, I'm pushing your... P Would it help <laughs> if I went backwards? Uh, oh, it's too tall for the door. Oh, right, it. But lean it down okay. more. All right. This, we were having fun here, but guys, that wouldn't happen that way because they're both being controlled by the same entity who would coordinate it inherently instead of having to talk between its two vessels. Yeah, that, that entity is a great communicator. <laughs> Such as, and including this next scene where Wyndham's standing out in the parking lot and be like, hello, hello, I've got a message. Hello, you're not going to oh, like voice it. voice is so fucked up. And then he's like, yeah. pray for death. And his body falls apart. <laughs> okay, so he's covered in beetles. And he's made of wood and his face is yeah, stitched but, together. Yeah, but... But the thing I okay the thing the thing I kind of realized because I'm very I'm, I'm quite used to watching movies from the last twenty years or so I was like I, I turned to Jen and like you know the great thing about this being from 1987 is those are all fucking real Beatles they <laughs> those are, are all Beatles. those are all real Beatles yep. in this scene there's not there's no fake Beatles then they had to hire a Beatle wrangler and an ant yeah. wrangler and an instant wrangler and it looks and it looks it looks better. It, it just looks wondering. better. It sucks that a it sucks that a bunch of beetles got killed, and it's good that they don't do it. It's good that they don't use animals anymore in movies. Yeah. Although, as a side note, I will say that I saw Prey, which I thought was really <laughs> yeah. wonderful, it, and the effects were ninety nine percent great. And then anytime it, like a forest creature came in, it looked like Big Game Hunter. So <laughs> like true. it was really <laughs> shitty. That bear was weird. That bear uh, was super weird. That uh, cat was weird. It looked bad. Yeah. But anyways, it's all gorgeous, gooey, sticky, creepy, crawly, practical effects. And motherfucker, mm. I just love it. It looks good. It, it, it ages better, I believe. Sure, it sure does. Inside, we've got Calder dragging a chair up the stairs while singing Amazing Grace. And he's, he's a tallish black guy. He's got a yeah. nice deep voice, but he's crying oh, he and dragging died. a chair up the stairs. And everyone's like, what's up with you? Hey, guy, are you feeling okay? And he rips like one of the sticks off the back of the oh, chair man. and then jams it in his throat. Also, he has like a rictus grin the entire time. He's like smile crying. It's yeah. yeah. He is so good he is so oh, yeah. so good in this part um yeah. yeah and he just takes a piece of chair and just shoves it right the fuck in his throat um and it is god it's great it's so mm -hmm. good and he shoots it so well and he lights it so well and everybody's reaction is perfect and it's just fucking it's chaos pandemonium it has for real mm -hmm. hit the fan Kelly's still down for her nap, and she didn't wake up as Susan and Lisa drag this giant tube into the room. Giant glowing, light-emitting tube that, again, is too tall for the doors. Don't question the tube. The tube starts to unscrew from the inside. Father Donald uh, is starts to give Calder his last rites, but yeah. then stops suddenly as if the words can't really even leave his mouth. And it's never yeah. quite explained why he stops, but it's either like something is physically stopping him from reading the good word 
or he realizes that Calder is not dead. It's or weird. he just doesn't cool. believe anymore. Yeah, that's what I I got. That he just like he doesn't think the words are meaningful anymore. Crisis of faith. Jesus is an alien. Yes, yeah. all yeah. that. Then everybody's like, you know, it would be great leaving. Leaving would be great. And they push on the doors and they realize that the uh, unhoused demon horde has lamized uh, the entire uh, place. And there's just a giant barricade of garbage. Uh, and they're all singing, do you hear the demon sing? <laughs> Walter goes to the nap room looking for Kelly, sees the tube gushing fluid up to the roof and the ceiling. He pans over and it's raining down onto Kelly and entering her mouth and both eyes. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good for Kelly. It looks so good. Oh, yeah. And you just like, you're just picturing that day on set where they're just like, we've got a dummy and we're forcing fluid through its eyes and mouth yeah. and then we're going to run that backwards yep. and it's going to look scary as shit. And yep. it looks scary as shit. And then yeah. oh, Susan's right behind him. So he falls over into a cot. Professor Mouth sounds. Uh, Doctor Leahy, he gets uh, he gets zizzed uh, with some demon juice uh, mm -hmm. from Big Head or something. It doesn't. A lot of stuff. It's from, it's from Susan. He comes into the nap room and Walter's oh, like, yeah. "Look out! She's right behind you!" And, she, yes, and he gets it. he gets zizzed in the mouth, which yep. is. I, I like the word zizzed as just a generic like something is done, but in this case, it's fluid being ejected from the mouth. <laughs> It's a little it's little broken water fountain action going on. They're they're like like those I don't know they're like the, the snakes that shoot venom or something. I don't know. Yes, uh, or those Jurassic like, Park motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Squirt you real good. Yeah. Um. So now Walter, for some reason that it's never explained. Everyone just keeps leaving Walter alone. Maybe it's just because he's so fucking repugnant that not even the devil's concubines want anything to do with him. Uh -huh. Walter basically manages to lock himself in a closet where he is safe. And everyone is basically just hiding in rooms now. Uh, Lisa, zombie Lisa approaches the students and then not dead Calder walks up behind her. Speaking of Jurassic Park, they put a like washcloth or cloth tight cloth oh, around yes. his neck wound yep and he is wearing a blue kind of denim -y shirt and so with his bright red throat bandage and the blue shirt it kind of looks like he's doing sam neil cosplay just a little <laughs> yeah. a little bit yeah sure. uh anyway the gang's in the hallway calder's at one end uh, Susan and Lisa are in the, the room, the nap room with the two Kelly the party. and broken neck guy shows up. Big head is back. And so yeah. everyone just kind of scatters. So now yeah. the alive people are in three rooms. Walter's in a closet. Father Donald is in a room with a giant. Is that a furnace? Spoiler? Like a giant metal it something? It should be no, attached to all of too. the walls. He, um, yeah. He does a lot of backing up into that room, which like made both Jen and I insane. Is like, do you're not a horror movie. Don't just back up into a room without looking. So there's a big mirror in there and a giant metal thing that kind of looks like a furnace, even though it's weird that the it's, furnace would just be on a floor. It's a convenient thing for him to hide behind. That's yeah. the important part. And then the re the remaining people who are uh, blonde Ted Lasso, uh, Catherine. Um, Professor, uh, Burke, the, the and Dr. Then Burke, the mullet guy, and then uh, yes, nameless. <laughs> which, at which point, I was like, 
who are you? Yeah. Do you even go to the school? <laughs> <laughs> Him just there. Walter peeps out from the closet, which has like one of those confession booth like yep. portals in the wall. And he's like, whoa, Kelly's got a tummy bulge now. Oh boy, does she. And Lisa and Susan are just sort of staring into the middle distance, standing mm -hmm. guard over uh, Kelly and her tummy bulge. And Leahy gets up and starts yeah. making mouth noises. By the way, when everybody ran into the rooms, uh, it was just, it was, the sun was just going down and mm -hmm. now it's daytime again. Burak looks outside at the surrounding uh, unhoused people that are blocking the alleyway outside the window. Kelly, meanwhile, now has pizza skin and is still pregnant. Uh, Lisa and Susan are still just standing there and Walter decides to lighten the mood yeah. with a joke. Uh, I'm not going to tell the joke. It's a Jewish joke that also includes the phrase uh, Zulu warrior. Yeah, it's not good. It's and it's a, and it's a bad and it is it is a bad joke. Uh, and they have no response to it at all, which was funny to me because I was like, I, how can he tell the difference between people who are possessed by the devil and people yeah, who right. aren't? Because right. nobody ever like, laughs. Oh no, at everybody's his, possessed. It is stupid like, jokes. I'm sorry, I said you look Asian before. And then at this point, Catherine's like, "Hey, is that Walter through the wall that I hear?" Hey, I hear racist, misogynist bullshit. I think Walter's Walter? nearby. So they realize that Walter's closet is directly next to like the classroom or rectory or whatever the fuck mm -hmm. that they're all trapped in. So the plan is made to dig through the wall and get Walter into the big room. The problem with this plan, I just want to point out, and it's all Walter's fault, is that Walter's like, well, great, I'll just stand here while you yeah. do that without saying I will also dig from my side and we'll be done in half yeah, the time. I'll yeah. contribute. The other thing is that, and it, it does appear like that later that he uh, has done this off camera, but until that's established, it just really seems like he's watching this weird shit go down in the room and not telling anybody about it. And he's never like, oh, by the way, uh, Kelly's like super pregnant with Satan. Yeah, no, he's yes. for sure just an asshole who doesn't care about anybody else or you it know, seems dispensing plausible. information. Yeah. Why they don't kill Walter when they had the opportunity is a message lost to time. My only thought is because Kelly is now, uh, you know, filled with the demon seed and about to about to Jiffy Pop. Maybe they're just like, we don't have to worry about Walter. We'll kill him yeah. later. We got to keep an eye on Kelly. That's my only yeah. thought. None of them Maybe were there when the tube it. opened, so they couldn't like swirly him in there. Yeah. Just yeah, but just, they still uh, gloop him into the tube. Like yeah. Nope. They just they just, they just leave him in slime him into the tube. He's too gross even for the devil. They just leave it's, him in a stupid closet. Yeah. Now we're back in Father uh, Father uh, Donald's room, and a Calder busts in. Father Donald just sort of grabs his Bible and and curls up real tiny. We hear Calder like cackle cry, and that we see that he is staring into a mirror and sort of laugh crying while stroking the mirror gently. And again. It's real fucking scary. It's uh -huh. like weird. It's really, it's the good weird. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, and now we have a complete uh, cul-de-sac of a scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
It's a perfect circle. Uh, basically, blonde Ted Lasso looks out the window and is like, I'm going to jump into the uh, I'm going to jump into the alley and pull me up if I don't, uh, if they come and get me. Uh, and he jumps into the alley and then all of the homeless uh, unhoused horde starts marching towards him. And he goes, ah, and then he jumps back into the room. Yeah. And that whole scene could have been cut. It is, it's, it is a perfect It gives you no new information. It yep. doesn't advance a thing. It's, they stopped yeah, it's working on the wall to do this. Yeah. Yep. Dumbest, I mean, dumbest scene I don't in the know, movie. I don't know how desperate they are to uh, finish <laughs> the wall project, to be fair. Oh, quick. Come on. We got to save Walter, guys. Come on. <laughs> it's like, no, no, don't jump out the window. We have to save Walter. Well, all right. Walter, it's going to take like three to 20 hours to get this done. I'm sorry. We're just... Commitment to the project is low. Walter sees the body is moving weird, and that's when he tells the joke about yeah. the witch doctor. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, and uh, VHS stream time, and it's Catherine. Yes. Then Brian's like, hey, I've got a brilliant idea. I'm just going to sneak out this door and then go break the front windows and call for help, because people will totally uh, respond to that in the way that I expect them to. <laughs> but many yeah. people who are wandering who are who are you know hanging out yeah all of the, the normal people beyond the unhoused horde uh, and and dr barack is like there's nobody out there who can help us now uh we are we are properly hosed uh and then catherine and blood ted lasso sneak off in a corner to have a sweet little scene where she's like hey remember that thing you were gonna tell me and then i told you not to tell me you can tell me now if you want to tell me and he doesn't and they kiss yeah oh he he calls back to hers he's like i'll tell you next time or whatever because he's yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's it's sweet because he's because he's he's basically like no let's pretend there's gonna be a next time so like, let's pretend we're not going to die here. Meanwhile, Calder is still in the room uh, looking at a mirror and crying. And Father Donald is uh, Father Donald. Yes, Father yeah. Donald is reading his Bible and uh, is getting a little better at saying Bible words again. Like he's really he's, trying, he's, he's rekindling his faith. a bit. He's really trying. Ain't it peculiar how <laughs> facing down the barrel of a Satan it makes you go, you know, I'm going to put this being mad at the church aside because what other what else do I have at this point? It's also possible that he's um, he's seeing that uh, Calder seems to be like. Not successfully, but like just at least a little bit resisting due to his faith, and it's inspiring him a bit. Yep, uh, but that's subtextual at best. Kelly's skin gets worse. Oh, it gets starts to like okay. You know that episode of The Simpsons where Mister Burns goes to to the expensive um, medical center and they try to take his blood, but the needle just goes right through his arm. It's got like a, that texture. Well, it was pizza skin before, but now people yeah. have really skimped on the cheese and it's mostly tomato yeah. sauce. It looks very permeable. Like you put your finger right through it. It's gross. I don't like it. Uh, so in the digging through the wall room, Barack is, uh, Dr. Barack is looking at the window and there's a yet another giant pile of disgusting ants uh, on the corner. And Barack is like, Look at these worker ants. They're all following a directive that we couldn't possibly know what it is. Why? It's not unlike, uh, you know, oh, and then they, and then he sort of says, maybe the tube is doing that. And this is, this comes up one of my favorite lines in the movie and possibly in the history of cinema. Dr. Barack says something along the lines of, there's only so much it can accomplish 
by being a volume of liquid. It's like it needs a host. It's very true. It's true. You're, you're not you're not wrong. There's only so much that mm-hmm. say my can of vitamin water zero can do on its own without me like moving it around and drinking it inside. I think the DC villain chemo, which is a very large amount of gross chemicals in a transparent suit, would beg to differ. <laughs> This is also when uh, the theory is laid down that, uh, you know, tub of goo is basically controlling all of its worker ants one way or the other. So, like, that's why they have to fill Lisa up with what what I assume is the physical presence, the physical embodiment of Satan. And he's got to control uh, Susan and Lisa. And he has to manipulate all of the unhoused people. And basically the comparison is made as like the unhoused are like insects who are just being controlled. Only simple minds could be controlled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, and and that's that's also, and that is also not great. Not great. Uh, Then Walter is like, hey, Kelly's bones are doing something weird. And so is her face. Yeah. That's uh, what I love about the report that he gives. He's like, she's changing. Her face is really weird. And then he looks a little closer. He's like, oh, and I think her bone structure is changing. And it's like, well, how do you know that just from look? Unless her like, unless she's got an arm for a leg and a leg for an arm. Like it's <laughs> oh, like, like yeah. And like Burke's like, it's just like a parasite and a host. Catherine's like, oh, right. She had that mark on her arm. Oh, it needed a thingy. <laughs> it's the astrologer's staff, which was used in magical rituals. Why not throw that in? Why, Why not? not? Yeah. Why not? Uh, Father uh, Father Donald is still reading from the Bible, and the passage is like, "Hey, God, help! No, seriously, help, help, help!" Like it's it's from the. It's... Okay, you know what this reminds me of? What's that? Like it, 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 I was, it reminds me of the end of uh, the Wicker Man when Edward Woodward is like is praying to God like for self for salvation, knowing he's gonna die anyway. It just has the same vibe. Yeah. He's uh, he's reading from the book of declarations. And in this uh-huh. case, he's de- declaring, please save my ass. Jesus, God, even if you're alien, Jesus, come get me. Ah! And then <laughs> Kelly's eyes snap open and she looks at Walter and she's super happy. And then she moves a cot with her mind. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh Father Donald is still reading and he like either sneezes or clears his throat or coughs or something. And that's when Calder finally realizes that uh, he is not in the room alone. So the thing about Kelly's bone structure changing. What about it? Is there any visual indication of this in the film? Because she looks the same to me. I was like, are her arms longer or something? I don't know. No, nothing. It's just, it's just Walter going like, I mean, she's her, doing this, this, and this. Thought. Her hair's still up. She's still got like six clips in there in the ponytail. <laughs> yep. You'd think she'd take the ponytail out to sleep. All hell basically breaks loose. Uh, Kelly is now up and around. He, she starts walking towards Walter. Walter starts screaming. The folks in the other room uh, unbarricade the door. And this is the point where Walter realizes oh, hey, maybe I should also be digging from the opposite direction. So I'm not just a load who's not helping me save myself. I don't need this flashlight for, I guess, anything. I'm going to just lay into the wall, which this side of the wall seems a lot uh, less sturdy than the side they were digging through. 
<laughs> you should have been doing this the whole time. You mm-hmm. should have been doing this the whole time. Professor Burak shakes up a can of soda and or beer. Then Big Head reaches in the door <laughs> that Brian has just opened. And so he gets sprayed in the face and then stabbed Whoa. in the eye after getting hit with sticks. Stabbed in the eye with like a pencil? Chopstick. Yep. Chopstick. Ah. But not before uh, he squishes uh, the generic brunette, uh, who the fuck are you guy. Yes. Um, so now there's another yep. monster. Mullet man takes it in the mouth. He sure does. Kelly sees her reflection in a little compact mirror that's fallen on the floor and it starts to glow and she picks it up. She's getting a text. And she puts her two widow fingers in it. That's later. Someone in. That's later. Is it a shoot? It's really interesting because first Kelly just sees her own reflection in there. And where my head went was, oh, she's realizing that she's turned into a monster. Right? right? Yeah. She's going to start crying like Calder. Yes, and have some sort of realization. And that's not quite what happens. Uh, Blonde Ted Lasso, meanwhile, narrowly avoids getting zizzed in the mouth. Yeah, he like ducks. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then he does like an uppercut with a beam of wood into Leahy's <laughs> face. Yes. Walter now crawls through. There is a hole large enough for Walter to shimmy through. Uh, He barely gets into the other. Yeah, he barely gets into the other room with his life. He demon Lisa is hot on their heels, and they just she's holding onto his heels. They basically drag her out too, and then they bludgeon her with bricks. Yeah, very (laughs) like so in 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 a way that it absolutely in no way conveys. That they are bludgeoning her with heavy bricks. Bricks make like a path noise, right? Like <laughs> it looks like they're like giving her a gentle like pumicing. A hot stone massage. Mm-hmm. A yeah. very intense hot stone massage. Um a direct contact. Um yeah, they're not doing a good job yeah. of beating her to death. Professor and Walter are like, this isn't working, and so they lift her up and chuck her out the window. <laughs> yes. <This fenestrator. laughs> it's great. Uh, and that does it. Um now, uh, Satan Kelly is looking at the compact some more, and she says, Father. And she sticks her two fingers into the thing, and Aha takes on me, uh, kind of like <laughs> begins to poke into the dark universe where we know uh, Satan's son or Satan himself. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is the oh, other side. This is the, this is the anti. Satan. She's yes. Satan. She's, got, she's looking for her daddy. Yes. She's Prince of Darkness, who's looking yeah. for Daddy, it's who might of, be King of Darkness, yes. King of Darkness, or anti God. Yeah, it could be the same guy. Mm-hmm. But I really like this part because it's uh, well, the compact's in her hand. The mirror becomes kind of like Mercury, and she sticks yeah. her finger in, and then we're seeing it from the other side. And it's like, what's the name of that place from Get Out? It's really oh, pretty looking. The, oh, it's the sunken. sunken it's the place. sunken place. Yeah, but it's not. But it's also underwater, which is yeah. this. And we'll get another shot in a minute. This is the other absolute direct A to A reference to uh, uh, Argento's Inferno. There's this. Mm. Whole, have you two seen Inferno? I've seen part oh, of yeah. it. The best part of the movie is this extended underwater sequence that takes place in basically another dimension, and it's incredible. But mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, uh, so but the mirror is too tiny; only her two fingers go in there. So, so she's she, gotta go find yeah. a big mirror. She smashes yeah. the compact and then leaves. Stupid small compact. She walks up to Calder, who's like crying at the mirror, and she's like, "Oh, I love this mirror, Father." Yep. Uh, they throw generic brunette demon mullet guy out the window. <laughs> That's how you get rid of demons. <laughs> yeah, it's like, guys. Oh, it's Susan. Susan goes out the window. 
Lisa and Susan both go out the window. Yes, but also right. they, yes, oh, yeah. that's right. Who's wait? Who's Susan? With glasses, she's a radiologist. But her glasses oh, are downstairs. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So now we're back at the mirror. Kelly looks in the mirror and goes, "Father," and then the mirror lights up. And then the priest um, finds a fire axe conveniently nearby on the ground. Yeah, at one point, I think it's Calder or Kelly moves the giant thing that he's standing behind and squishes him up against the That's wall. That's later while he's yes. got the axe. Oh, my mistake. Yeah. So yeah, he, he picks up a fire axe and Kelly reaches towards the mirror. Then Brian drags Calder away out of the, out of the room while uh, the priest cuts Kelly's arm off. And it floats away through the the mirror space. Yes, which is an amazing shot. But her arm, boop, regrows. immediately grows back. And so she oh. ch he chops her head off. <laughs> and, and she's she all picks like, it up and ha, ha, ha. not so yeah. fast. Yeah, <laughs> it just goes back on. Yep, it's great. You know, he probably should have pressed his advantage while she didn't have a head on. And then she uses her psychic powers to crush him with a giant yeah, boiler. Nobody, yes. Nobody in these movies presses their advantage. And it always bothers me. Blunt, Ted Lasso, and Calder are wrestling in the hallway. Uh, Catherine basically looks behind her and sees Calder and Blunt, Ted Lasso wrestling. She looks in front of her and she sees this insane, crazy shit that's happening in the mirror room. But what she sees mostly is that uh, Demon Susan is, or Kelly. Demon Kelly, Demon mm. Kelly, my mistake. Uh, Demon Kelly is now reaching through the mercury mirror and beginning to pull out a big nasty giant hand and we assume that that's daddy um it's red it's got big fingernails that are sharp yep yep it looks and, like and she's like news. doing like the back and forth like oh i should save my boyfriend or right, oh yeah. i should save the world which one yep. of these things is higher priority the world the world um she jumps I, into the room fair to be fair, she's also made. I don't even know if it's like so much that is that she's also on top of that, considering the fact that she's about to like sacrifice her own mortality. And while having all of this is happening, while having just a class A nervous breakdown, mm. the yes. kind the kind that you read about in like old 1950s novels before somebody has to go to like a, you know, a permanent resort and just yes. stare at a wall for the rest of their life. Yeah. She is she is she's at maximum. Um, she takes a flying leap and tackles uh, Kelly into the mirror and then uh father donald takes his axe and smashes it destroying yeah. the portal and we see catherine floating in the water on the other side trapped in the sunken dark moist place forever and all mm. the zombies fall down and release vapor from their mouths and the pools on the ceiling flake away and the unhoused people wander off to go about their business or their 20 minute you know loop depending Ha! You know what's great though? You know what I really like? None of the unhoused people like get killed or anything. They just go back to their lives. Like it's like yeah, nothing yeah. bad happens. I mean, turns out you don't need to snap to someone's them. neck in order to make them a zombie. No. Yep. Hmm. So, uh, so they're all fine. And then, uh, and then Walter hops out the window, and we assume to go get help. I did I not assume that. I assumed yeah. he was just like, no, I assumed right. he was piecing out. He's like, yeah, wow, I, that's all done. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah. what? And that's, uh, that's, uh, 
rap on Walter. But Bye, then we, we see back at the front, there's like bodies being pulled out in bags and every type of emergency vehicle. And Walter's there. And apparently he brought them. The yep, priest presumably. is being wheeled out. And the priest is like, we stopped it. We did it. Good for us. We duns it. Counterpoint, um, maybe Walter just got picked up by the cops and then... <laughs> <laughs> because he was running around like a crazy person. Well, either way, I it know. begs the question, what could Walter have possibly said to the Los Angeles <laughs> Police Department that would make them all show up at this church and not just beat Walter within an inch of his life and throw him in a cell for the rest of his life? There's been like, a radioactive accident. I don't, I don't know, but they all show up. And also it's like, why doesn't everybody go to jail? It's just like, all right, so explain this to me again. Okay. Well, there's this tube of demon liquid and it zizzed Ooh. everybody in the mouth. So we had to throw them out the window. Okay. You're all going to jail. You're Jesus all going to jail. Okay. Let me back up. Jesus is an alien named Jesus. Right. Okay. You tell that to the judge. <laughs> right. Most people don't end up going to jail at the end of these movies when they clearly should. Professor Burek has a theory about why the vapor got released from the zombies, and it's because the big part of Satan is trapped on the other side of the mirror now, so they're disconnected and they can't live without him. That didn't even really need to be explained. Catherine died for our sins. Yeah. Rip, Catherine. And now we cut to the dream. We cut to the dream, and now we see almost or at least a very, a lot of it. Um, and we hear the same sort of like, we're transmitting to you, blah, 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 blah. We see this haunting figure in the, in the doorway, but we see that the haunting figure in the doorway is Catherine. Catherine. Yep. And we find out that the year is 1999. So this yep. isn't particularly far off. And mm -hmm. father Donald was wrong. We didn't duns it. This well, is still obviously a problem. If Catherine's reporting from the year 1999 in whatever dimension she's in, that we still got to take care of this. Um, but go ahead. Wait. Got to fix it in the sequel. I don't think, I didn't think Catherine was, I mean, Catherine's not the one no. reporting, is she? She's no, not. but she's standing in that doorway. Oh, yeah, no, but that's because she's okay. come back. She's and being she's broadcast now. from the year 1999. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyways. Um, and then Vlad Ted Lasso wakes up. And he turns over and sees in bed next to him, crazy face, dead Catherine. And he goes, ah! ah, and then she disappears. And then he walks over to the mirror and he looks in the mirror. He's like, well, what if? And he touches it. The mirror. The end. <laughs> the end. Prince of Darkness. He does, I, I don't think he quite does touch it. He comes real close. He comes real close. It it's, it's like inception right yes. like does the top yes. fall over or not oh definitely a if he bit. touches the mirror is it a mirror or can his fingers go through it because he's now yep. satan uh. i think it's more like i think it's more like he has a connection to catherine so he, like can he maybe everyone her? can is do it anna maybe once you've I, seen the trick done you can repeat it i mean he's good at sleight of hand i actually i until it cut I was like, oh, he's going to like almost touch it. And then her hand's going to shoot out and drag him in. That's what No, I he's going to be back in Brian versus the World Crime Syndicate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a crying shame that there was not a sequel to this movie released in 1999. 
It's true. I am. I, I mean, I'm going to watch it anyways, because especially if uh, Carpenter said it's a trilogy, that it's a trilogy and I should watch all three. Uh, I've never seen it in the mouth of madness. And oh. I am now interested in seeing if it has if what DNA it shares with like uh, Prince of Darkness's shared DNA with the thing is pretty fucking apparent. Like it's the yes. same thing. There's a thing and turning guys into monsters and everybody's got to figure out what's going on. Um, so now I'm interested in, in the mouth of madness, which I know is like a Lovecraft riff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm interested in seeing if that has what kind of parity that has with these two movies. But well, if you like Sam Neill cosplay, Sam Neill's in it. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. um, and that's Prince of Darkness. And if, like me, you spent your October watching horror movie after horror movie, many of them not particularly great, this really stood out head and shoulders for me. And it was like, I, I, I kind of put it under the category of like, there were movies that we watched that we knew were going to be great. There were movies mm -hmm. that we watched that we didn't know anything about. And we were like, oh, that turned out to be great. And then there were movies like this that I went in like, Oh, everything I've heard is that it's Drek. And then it's like, nope, nope. This is an expertly crafted, really wonderful nonsense thriller uh, with lots of science and lots of machines that go boop and lots of Jesus is an alien and gooey, gooey monsters, uh, monster people spitting things. And it's like, oh, this it's just it's really nice to see this kind of movie executed on a high level. It's like eating it's like eating a $70 hamburger or something. It's just like, <laughs> oh, man, I didn't understand a hamburger could be that good. Wait, did it's, you see the menu? I have not seen the menu yet. Oh, OK. That's like and a $12,000 cheeseburger. That's a very expensive cheeseburger. That's one. That's one expensive cheeseburger. I'll uh, I'll check it out. And that's the, and that's anyway. the scary part of the movie that everybody's just like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's just the bill. Yeah, they get the bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't yeah have everyone the, getting the bill a, is the the whole core of the movie. They it's didn't, true. They didn't have these prices on the looks at camera menu. <gasps> <laughs> that's how I look. And then the and then the law and order. What I've done. And then the lot on order, dun dun. Um, so, anyways, I love this movie. I've spent hours talking about how much I love it. Uh, Anna, you enjoyed it more, you said, than the last time you watched it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really remember the last time I watched it. All I, more or less, all I really remembered from it was that it was very. It felt like the. It felt like what was going on was was very complicated. I feel like I might have watched it too late at night to really take it into. Um, and I, I remembered like the, the, the fuzzy transmission from the future. Um, and, uh, like I think tube of green goo and that was all I really remembered. So, uh, it was, it was a pretty fresh watch. I really, uh, I really dug it. I, y'all may have noticed from like some of the films that I pick that I'm, I, I kind of like nihilism <laughs> and this was, this is real nihilistic and it really turned my crank. Um. Aside, I mean, aside from that, I think I've talked about why I liked it while we were talking about it. So I don't really have much, much else to say. Um, it was it was a pleasant surprise uh, that it was as enjoyable as it was this time. Yeah. Uh, and Corey, you were you were team meh. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you, are you still team meh? Yeah. It's okay. fine. There's too many characters to keep track of. <laughs> it's it, true. Uh, the way they don't communicate with each other reminded me a lot of like Prometheus where like just uh, information is not shared between 
characters and a lot of their motivations yeah. don't make, make any sense. And a lot of the threats are so disparate that there's not really a thing to focus on. Like, sure, the tube is the big threat, but what's with all the people outside? Are they intimidating us or are they going yeah. to stab us with a bicycle? Why do all the zombies act different? Why did nobody else care about the worm window? I feel like the worm window should have been a big deal. There's reverse yeah. worms falling. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. All of this is true. Yeah. And it's like, and if, and I guess in my heart, if it wasn't, if everything else wasn't good, then, then the movie, then that stuff, then all of those, because there is a ton of plot holes. There is absolutely too many characters. Although mm -hmm. for me, I see too many characters at the beginning of a horror movie, and I just go like, yeah. "Oh, they're all gonna die. <laughs> they're all, they're all, they're all just gonna get chopped up." So like, I can completely understand watching this as a movie and expecting it to make sense and be cohesive as a movie and sort of follow the rules of movie making, and it doesn't particularly do that. No. But as just like, as like a horror movie freak them out. I, it just it just went down real easy. And I think part of it is, and this goes back to what Anna was saying, like it is needlessly complex until you realize like, I don't have to care. I don't yeah, have to It just felt like there was a lot of like slow bits because there was a lot of filler feeling things like the one scene where Brian goes out the window into the alleyway. Like that didn't need to happen. We don't need yeah. long lingering shots of people looking at a tube. Yes. Necessarily, we don't need people to have the same discussion four times about like subatomic particles. Mm. Yeah. 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 It just, yeah, it is clearly a very poorly managed group project. Dr. Burke should not be in charge of postgraduate students. We're getting to the heart of it now. And there needed yeah. to be an Excel sheet. As far as pulp goes, yeah, it's super pulpy. Like, if this was an episode of Star Trek, it would just be like a really long one and probably uh, considered one of the weirder ones. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Yes, it has big Twilight Zone X Files. Yeah. Outer um, limits, like. And I want to say that Carpenter, right around this time, this is when Carpenter did the uh, Two Evil Eyes movie with Argento. I th that might have been later. Carpenter had been Carpenter was part of uh, Team Creep Show in some capacity, right? Yes, I do believe so. Yeah, it feels. If even if he wasn't, if he all of those guys, all of those USC horror guys and like 70s film guys love EC comics and shit. So it has yeah. it does. It has that like fantastic tales, EC horror comics as as a movie. It's middling as pulp. It's great. A. And if you like and if you like that kind of trash, if you and if you watch movies that are like that, then you then I think you'll really enjoy seeing it done on, like I said, kind of as ele not elevated in an elevated horror kind of way because it's dumb, but like it's just done good. They done it good. Carpenter done it good. Um, the end. I really liked it. I'm Josh A. Kagan. You can find me at Josh A. Kagan on Instagram. Uh, I'm Coriander Dickinson. You can find me at Absalar on Twitter for as long as it continues to exist. Mm -hmm. But I can't use my phone anymore to go there. So, <laughs> I mean, you can, but nope. is it worthwhile? <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm Anna Wasserman. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Gold Sarcasmium. Uh, much like Corey, as long as it continues to exist, I will still 
check it on my phone, but I don't enjoy it anymore. Well, it'll be nice to have a little more company on Instagram. <laughs> I've been on Instagram the whole time. I just don't use it. <laughs> yes, I. Yes, we, we've had it. We had a conversation about this last time. Okay, okay. fine. Bye, everybody. We did. It. Bye, everybody. The next movie is I Downloaded a Ghost from 2004.